The meeting will come uh, to second. order. Yes, we're ready yeah. now. Thank you. We are ready. Okay. Uh, the meeting will come to order. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Monday, March 13th, 2023 meeting of the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I'm Supervisor Matt Dorsey, Chair of this committee. I am joined today by my colleagues, Vice Chair Shimon Walton and Committee Member Asha Safai. On behalf of my colleagues, I want to express our gratitude to the committee clerk, uh, Mr. Victor Young. Uh, thanks also to the entire team at SFGov TV for staffing today's meeting and especially uh, Jason Goldhammer. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committee are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The board recognized that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either the channel 26, 28, 78, or 99 and sfgovtv.org, the public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. The number is 415-655-0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2489-884-3434, then press pound and pound again. When connected, you'll hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line. If you're on the telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and other listening devices. As already indicated, we'll take public comment from those attending in person first, then we will go to our public comment call telephone line. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the file. You may also send written comments via U.S. mail to our office at City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Uh, regarding today's agenda, I'd like to note that item number five, uh, that the applicant, uh, Victrum Iyer, has withdrawn their nomination. Thank you so much, Mr. Clerk. Um, colleagues, before getting underway today, I just wanted to share a few uh, prefatory thoughts. Um, everything on our agenda today is related to Proposition C, which San Francisco voters overwhelmingly supported uh, this past election. It was a charter amendment uh, to, in part, establish a Homelessness Oversight Commission to oversee San Francisco's Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, and in part to require periodic audits of uh, services uh, for people experiencing homelessness by the city controller. I want to express my gratitude to uh, my colleague, Supervisor Safai, for his leadership on this, uh, not just for his tireless work uh, to engage with stakeholders, to draft and get the charter amendment on the ballot, but all the work that followed and, and that we're continuing today um, to do the work of implementing this commission. Um, today we'll be making some initial decisions um, about those seeking to serve on this commission, and shortly we'll hear from a multitude of uh, highly qualified candidates. And while we can only pick uh, three board appointees, I hope that those who are not selected uh, will continue to pursue public service roles on uh, other HSH oversight bodies or in other ways. Uh, we have a lot of talent here, and it would be a shame to um, not empower people's time and talent to serve our city. And with that, uh, Mr. Clerk, would you please call item number one? 
Yes, item number one is the ordinance amending the administrative code to provide that members of the Homelessness Oversight Committee and Refuse Rate Board are eligible for health insurance coverage through San Francisco Health Service System. It, it has been requested that this item be referred out as a committee report. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, aside from the appointments that I just mentioned, this is another piece of work uh, to implement Prop C. So again, I want to, with gratitude to Supervisor Safai, and we're also joined by President Peskin. Um, Supervisor Safai, the floor is yours. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, colleagues, the item before us today is pretty uh, straightforward and routine, although I know President Peskin is here to ask for a slight amendment uh, to what uh, I will be proposing, and, and which I'm fine with. But I want to take a moment to acknowledge the creation of two new bodies that will improve San Francisco's delivery of, of basic services. Um, we know about the corruption and challenges uh, in our refuse rate setting process that has taken place over the last number of years. I want to thank President Peskin uh, for his leadership on working on this issue uh, and addressing it head on. That's why the voters in June of, 22, uh, June of 2022 reformed the refuse rate board to include not just public officials like the city administrator and general manager of the PUC, but also a ratepayer representative appointed by the mayor. In November of 22, the voters approved Proposition C, the Homeless Accountability Now measure. Uh, and I've said a lot about this in the past, so I'll be brief uh, this morning. Uh, but it is essential that we have independent oversight and mandatory audits of departments that spend more than $700 million and don't always get the results that we expect or the, or the voters and citizens of San Francisco expect. The mayor's nominees, if confirmed, and the board's appointees will be spending hours and time reviewing critical information, making public policy uh, decisions that affect the entire city. So it's customary that voluntary commissioners on charter boards get the opportunity to join our city health service system, and this measure provides that in two instances. So colleagues, after public comment, I ask for your support on this item, but I also know that President Peskin is asking for something slightly different for the rate board, so I'll, I'll give him the opportunity to say a few words as well before we go to public comment. That's okay, Mr. Chair. President Peskin. Thank you, Chair Dorsey, and thank you, Supervisor Safai. Uh, Chair Dorsey, almost everything on this agenda had to do with uh, the proposition that Supervisor Safai spearheaded uh, that was on our last ballot, except for uh, this little nugget on page three at line six, the Refuse Rate Board, which was actually the subject of a different ballot measure, Proposition F of June of 2022, uh, and that rejiggered and um, changed the powers of the Refuse Rate Board, which oversees uh, refuse re rates uh, in San Francisco and is now for the first time in 90 years undergoing a different process as it relates to our residential and commercial uh, refuse rates. Um, and uh, the Refuse Rate Board, newly empowered under Proposition F, consists of three individuals, two of them uh, city uh, officers, one being the general manager of the Public Utilities Commission, the other being the city administrator. Uh, the third used to be a city official, namely the controller who is now staff to the Refuse Rate Board uh, and has been replaced with a 
uh, ratepayer representative who has yet to be designated, but will be coming before this committee hopefully uh, next month in April. Um, and uh, in the interest of doing what Prop F was designed to do, which is to uh, look out for the San Francisco ratepayer, I hereby respectfully request that we not make this individual, individual eligible for health insurance coverage in the interest of San Francisco ratepayers and would respectfully request that the refuse rate board be taken out of the scheme wherein this one individual would receive uh, health benefits from the city and county of San Francisco. Okay. Um, just to be clear, we did have some conversation. I think there was a slight change of heart, and so otherwise we would not have put this forward. So I'm, I'm fine with making the motion to remove that. Um, and we've done that in other instances. I know we did it with OCII as well. We didn't provide that. So um, anyway, I'll make a motion to strike and, that uh, uh, And that would also presumably come with the corresponding changes in the long title at line four so that the refuse rate board so it read ordinance amending the administrative code to provide that members of the homeless oversight commission are eligible so and refuse rate board would come out of that line i do not believe madam deputy city attorney through the chair that other than those two changes which you have never seen before and I'm sure are cranky about. There are no other things that need to change other than you would have to make the corresponding change in the legislative digest under amendments to current law by removing the words and the refuse rate board. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, that's right. It appears that those are the only two places where amendments would need to be made. Great. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Great. Thank you, President Peskin and Supervisor Safai. Uh, Mr. Clerk, um, can we take uh, public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person should I am to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please dial 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-884-3434, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be a queue to begin your comment. There being no parties in the chamber for public comment, we can move over to our remote line where we have two callers on in line. Hello, caller. We're ready for your public comment. Okay, sound like they did not, were not aware. Uh, can we move on to our next caller? Can you hear me now? Uh, please proceed. Now, you can hear me okay? Because it said I'm unmuted or muted both we can hear you please proceed okay 
Great. Uh, David Pilpel, good morning. So uh, on item one, I support this ordinance, um, but I think particularly given the discussion in the last couple of weeks about uh, remote public comment and some other uh, conversations that I believe have occurred, um, I think we should have fewer, somewhat fewer decision-making boards and commissions in the city, perhaps slightly fewer uh, advisory bodies, uh, and greater consideration of ways to encourage uh, application and participation on those various bodies with increased compensation or stipends, uh, parking and transit benefits, technology and other uh, types of assistance. Health benefits are nice, but really only those with time, money, or an agenda now serve on these bodies and not the broad diversity of the city uh, and we should make uh, efforts to change that. Plus, I think we all spend way too much time in way too many meetings. So uh, I hope there's a, a discussion on ways to increase the diversity of uh, members uh, serving on uh, various boards and commissions in the city. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna go back and see if that other person's still on the line with us. Okay, it doesn't seem that person is aware they're having public comment. Uh, thank you very much. I believe that was our last public commenter. Right. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on this item is now closed. And Supervisor Safai, would you like to make, do you want to make the motion yes. on this? Yes. So first I'd like to make a motion uh, to accept the amendments as proposed, uh, um, written into, uh, read into the record by President Peskin? Yes, on a motion to amend. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Member Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. And, and now I'd like to make a motion to send the item to the full board with positive recommendation as amended. Uh, as a committee report also? As, commi as committee report, yep. Yes, the, the motion is to recommend as amended as a committee report. Vice Chair Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Young. On a unanimous vote then, item one goes to the full board as a committee report with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, please call items number two through four together. Yes, item number two is a motion approving and rejecting the mayor's nomination for appointment of Sharkey Laguna to the Homelessness Oversight Commission term ending May 1st, 2025. Item number three is a motion approving and rejecting the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Jonathan Butler to the Homelessness Oversight Commission, term ending May 1st, 2027. Item number four is a mayor's appro motion approving and rejecting the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Katie Albright to the Homelessness Oversight Commission, term ending May 1st, 2027. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, Supervisor Safai. Thank you. Um, so when we began drafting Proposition C, we started with a previous uh, version that had been brought to this board uh, by the, our former colleague, uh, Supervisor Matt Haney. Uh, we looked at that as a baseline for the conversation. Um, there had been some conversations out there about how a department that started out at around $100 million had grown to over $700 million, people looking for accountability, people looking for uh, oversight and direction that would be given. 
And I think it was pretty uh, obvious, and it has been obvious, that with the amount of resources and money that has been put into this department, um, people believe, and the general public feels, that things have not necessarily gotten better, uh, but they have gotten worse in some instances. And so it spurred a conversation around how we could bring more accountability and oversight uh, to this department. Uh, we worked with this board, uh, worked with our colleagues, uh, did not feel that the previous version was the right direction uh, because I felt specifically that ultimately uh, this is a strong mayor city and the buck needs to stop with the mayor's office ultimately. And so we shifted it back to a four a majority a mayoral a commission. I think that's the right way to go. And ultimately, uh, my colleagues agreed. Um, we had supervisor all the way from Supervisor Preston, Supervisor Dorsey to Supervisor Walton. It was, it was unanimous uh, support, ultimately. And we put that on the ballot. Um, at the time, the mayor's office was neutral, but we did take uh, input from the mayor's office. Uh, one in particular that they talked about was having a seat that spoke to the desires, needs, wants, and feelings of uh, small business owners or neighborhood associations. And so that's how we ultimately came to that compromise. But we felt as though, and, and still believe, and that's why we're here today, that board confirmation is an important part of the process. And so ultimately the board will decide on not just the mayor's seats today, but the board confirmed seats. Um, we took the campaign uh, to the, very seriously. We took it as an opportunity to talk to voters and spread information and get feedback. And um, unfortunately, during that time, the mayor decided to vigorously oppose uh, the position. Um, but ultimately, the measure was opposed by over 67% of San Franciscans. It was more than unanimous and a very strong mandate for this oversight, accountability, and good government as it pertains to this commission. So we have been extremely impressed by the number of applications that we received. I have spoken to personally and met with every single one of the applicants except one. We were not able to connect with them, um, unfortunately. Um, and one person did speak to uh, one of my staff. But ultimately, I met with every single applicant, both on the mayor's side and on the board side. Um, and so we've encouraged them if they're not chosen for this commission today. There are seats on Our City, Our Home. There are seats in the Local Homeless Coordinating Board. And there are opportunities to continue to engage with us today. And we have a, di a diversity of backgrounds, a diversity of educational experience, work experience, and lived experiences. And I think all of that says a lot about the desire to make change in this, uh, for this particular topic and helping unhoused in our city. So I wanna make sure that who we appoint today meet the requirements of the charter, and I know that my colleagues uh, feel the same. So we're going to ask each person that comes forward as they present to talk about um, how they're qualified for the specific seat that they would like to assume and why they want to serve on this commission. And those have been the two kind of guiding themes of the questions that we've asked here today. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say, Mr. Chair, or... Supervisor Walton, but uh, if not, we can just proceed in the order that is on the agenda. Uh, thank you, Supervisor Safai. So I wanted to say uh, thank you to all the mayoral appointees for uh, being here today, and I'd like to go in the same order as the agenda and asking each nominee to come up and speak briefly to their qualifications and interest. Um, and then before sitting down to um, 
take any questions if my colleagues uh, or I have them. So um, after that, I'll invite the next person up. Uh, after all three nominees have spoken, we will go to public comment. Um, so we will start with Mr. Laguana. Mr. Laguana, the floor is yours. Thank you, Chair Dorsey, uh, Supervisor Safai. Sorry, a little nervous. <laughs> Supervisor Walton. Um, and uh, Chair Dorsey, want to commend you on pronouncing my last name correctly. It's very rare that that happens. Um, thank you all for considering my appointment. Uh, it's truly an honor to be here. Uh, I, to, to address the question, my qualifications for this seat in particular. Uh, this seat is for somebody who has experienced homelessness. I was a foster kid, uh, and I was raised by two dads, and I left home at 17. I'm a high school graduate. Um, I had a very loving home. I'm still very close to them. But like a lot of foster kids, I didn't feel comfortable asking for help after I left home. I uh, followed a girl out to California. Uh, I thought things were going to work out. Uh, they didn't. I cried all night, and then I hitched a ride to San Francisco. I had uh, $50 in cash and a guitar. I uh, played guitar on the streets and, and hoped to make enough money to get ahead. Uh, it turns out that's not a great way to make money. I slept in Buena Vista Park and struggled to find a way to get that first step up. Uh, ultimately, uh, somebody else that was on the street told me you should apply for GA. Uh, I went down, waited in line for hours, got a GA check, and I used that to make the uh, payment for one week of rent at the Civic Center Hotel on 12th and Market. I moved into the hotel, uh, eventually got a job there as the night clerk. Uh, that job was paid more than the job I had selling uh, Time Life books and over the phone. I uh, paid $5 an hour. Uh, I had to come up with $100 every week, so I had about $7 a day, give or take, uh, on which to uh, pay every, for everything else. Uh, I would sometimes uh, not get enough hours or I'd be sick or what, whatever and, and not have enough money. I, I would sell plasma at the plasma bank at, at Haight and Stanion. And uh, really, uh, as, as somebody without a college degree, I, I didn't know how to get out of this cul-de-sac that I was trapped in. Uh, I was there for many years. Uh, and, and worked there for about five years. Uh, so uh, while working there, uh, I saw a lot of the things that we continue to see in the SROs. One of my jobs was to repair telephones. Uh, we had a switchboard style system, so if you wanted to make a call out from your room, you had to call down to the operator, which was me. Hopefully they were at the desk and not dealing with the problem somewhere else, and then I would patch you into the outside line uh, and make the call for you. And likewise, if a call came in, well, these phones attracted roaches. Uh, and so somebody had to clean out all the dead roaches out of the phone and repair the wiring. And that's what I would do. And then you would test the phone and invariably get electrocuted. 
um, so that was fun. <laughs> but uh, that was um, emblematic of, of the shape and, and condition of that hotel. Uh, I know that's an incredible success story for our city right now. I'm, I'm very excited to see what it's turned into and what it's becoming, but, but that was uh, my experience. Uh, and uh, of course, there were many residents there uh, who had a variety of mental health issues, substance abuse issues, uh, and you saw people go through uh, various stages. There was one girl who was a high school, I happen to know from high school, uh, the last time I saw her, she was being wheeled out on a gurney. Uh, I got reacquainted with her about two years ago. She cleaned herself up, she owns a business, uh, she's doing great, she has a husband, uh, and it's just, uh, it makes me very hopeful uh, because I've seen people achieve recovery in their lives and I know it's possible uh, and I know it's something that we have to work harder to achieve. Uh, so the, the second question is, is why do I want to do this? I love this city deeply um, and feel like I owe an awful lot to it. Uh, but for me, public service started with, in 2009, my, my legs stopped working. And I, uh, it became harder and harder to lift up my legs. And, and we went to a whole bunch of doctors, and it, it turns out I, I had a tumor. And it was wiping out the, uh, the nerves in my body, starting at, at my legs, which is where most of your nerves are, surprisingly. And... Uh, the, di the, the diagnosis was tough. The doctor said it was, it was terminal, and I had about a year to live. I had a two-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy, and what I was shooting for is, can I make that year two years so that that two-year-old will have some memory of me because memories start to form around the age of four. And I did a whole bunch of research and, and just kept working the problem, and gradually I concluded I actually had an incredibly rare disease. It was potentially treatable, and uh, the doctors were skeptical. They said, well, we've only seen one, one or two cases in the 30 years I've been here. I said, well, maybe I'm number three. Eventually got myself to the Mayo Clinic. At that time, I needed a walker. I could only walk for about five to 10 minutes before I needed to rest. Uh, and uh, I got the right treatment. And 13 years later, I'm standing here in front of you today. Two things for me came out of that experience. Uh, one is um, when you have a tough problem, whether you're homeless, whether your business has collapsed, whether you've uh, got a terminal diagnosis, you've got to break it into small pieces, and you've got to attack each piece, and just think about it in a very calm and measured way, and just look for every little opportunity that you can. And I think this problem in particular that has bedeviled our city for as long as I've been here, which is over 30 years. Uh, the only way that we are going to make any progress is that we have to look for every little centimeter of opportunity and seize it. And that's what progress is going to look like, slow and incremental. But you can get there. The second thing uh, that came out of that for me was as I reflected on my life, I realized that the, the money I had was happiest about having spent was the money I spent helping other people. And the time I was most satisfied with having spent was in service to other people. 
And so I decided that I was just going to, with whatever time I had left, spend more time helping other people. And that is why I signed myself up for the Small Business Commission. Actually, my, my interview with uh, Mawuli, he said, uh, so you want to be on a commission, uh, which one? And I said, just give me whatever the shittiest one is. Because <laughs> I figured that would be the one uh, nobody else wanted to be on. And then eight months later, they're like, well, we got this seat on Small Business Commission. I said, cool. Um, I didn't really know that much about small business, actually, even though I own a small business. Broke it into small pieces, tried to attack each problem, looked for opportunities wherever I could find them. Uh, last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is uh, my approach, uh, one other sort of uh, attribute I guess I have is I learned how to code and wrote all the software that runs my business. I built all our financial systems, our accounting systems, our HR systems, and managed to grow that business to be a pretty decent-sized business. Uh, we're at a level now where we have to get audited every year. It's required by the, the lenders. So I have a lot of experience with audits. I have a lot of experience with uh, financials. I've created more dashboards than I can remember. I know dashboards are something that a lot of people are interested in with respect to this issue. So I do have some technical expertise. Uh, the last thing I'll say is uh, my approach to uh, my previous role on the Small Business Commission will be the same approach I have to this commission, which is I want each and every one of you to succeed. Um, I'm here to help make this city better, even if it just means making it a little bit better. That's what I want to do. Um, and uh, I know sometimes that entails tough questions, I know sometimes it means difficult votes, but my mindset is I want to help people succeed. I'm not rooting for anybody to fail. I think that uh, dysfunctions in our society are rooted in trauma, anxiety, loneliness, and shame. And uh, the anecdotes are community, forgiveness, and generosity, and that's the spirit that I will be approaching this position if approved by the Board of Supervisors, which I hope will happen. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Laguana. I really appreciate those moving um, words. Um, seeing no comments or, oh. Are we doing questions? Yep, uh, Supervisor Walton. Thank you so much, one, for stepping up and wanting to serve. Uh, and the question I'm gonna ask, I'm actually gonna ask every candidate, uh, mm -hmm. so you don't have the benefit of hearing the question before, um, but everybody else does, but I am gonna ask the same question yeah. to everybody. And the real purpose, you know, from my standpoint of this commission is really accountability for the department. Correct. And so you know that the black population is disproportionately represented in the homeless population here in San Francisco. Uh, in District 10 specifically, we have the highest number of folks living in vehicles. And there's a real sense of the city, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing neglecting the Southeast sector and not caring yes. about addressing the issues that exist. And so my question is, knowing the numbers in terms of people living in vehicles, knowing the, the disproportionate representation of black folks mm -hmm. in the homeless system. And by the way, homelessness has gone down in District 10. 
yeah. but that's not necessarily perception that a lot of residents feel. What can the commission do to hold the department accountable to addressing the concerns in, in these areas to, to really come up with some, some improved outcomes? So um, we know that uh, according to the last point in time count, 38% of the people that were surveyed were African American. We know that uh, as a population of San Francisco, African Americans constitute about 6%. So that is roughly plus minus uh, six and a half, six and a quarter percent, uh, six and a quarter multiplied overrepresented. Um, so clearly, uh, we need to invest resources in making sure that we address uh, just as, as, a, as a fundamental position of, of justice and equity, we have to do something that will make a material difference in this. I think the challenges are uh, there are a multitude of factors that lead for, to, for somebody to become homeless. They, they could have lost a job. It could be a health event. Uh, they could have been kicked out of their home. Uh, they could have mental health issues, substance abuse issues. And so I think one of the sort of like top-line problems in talking about all this is that there's no silver bullet. Uh, you can't just say that, that one thing is, is going to solve all of, all of the problems. I think that as you, the, the, the way to address that is that in each and every address to each and every one of these factors, you have to keep in mind that there is a population in San Francisco that is wildly overrepresented in the population of homeless people that we currently have. And so if we want to address that overrepresentation, we have to have that in the forefront of our minds at each and every turn, at each and every policy proposal, at each and every contract that comes before us. And we have to look at it through that lens. We talk a lot in City Hall, as you, as you know, about looking at things through an equity lens. On the Small Business Commission, we, we said, you have to do it on every agenda item. It has to be a consideration. It has to be something that we talk about. Um, I'm not as much of an expert as some of the other appointees here in the space, so I can't, you know, honestly give you a, a specific policy proposal that's going to, um, you know, make a, a huge dramatic difference. But what I can tell you is that when I was on the Small Business Commission, anybody that was on that commission would tell you, we have to focus on D6, we have to focus on D10. Um, we have to focus um, on Safaif, uh, uh, sorry, I forget the district number, but um, the Excelsior. I was more worried about Bayview and the Excelsior because those are the districts that get left behind when we're thinking about small business. And I was constantly think, you know, asking, how, what can we do to get more parklets there? What can we do to get more aid there? What can we do to get more resources there? How do we make sure that the employment, uh, employee retention tax credit is, is, is getting out to that community? Because this other community is well-resourced, that community is not. Um, so all I can tell you is that it's top of mind for me. It's something I'm paying a lot of attention to. It's something I'll be paying a lot of attention to whether I'm seated on this commission or not. It's important to me. Um, it's where many of my friends are. And it's a community I care deeply about. Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor Safai. 
Thank you. Uh, similar to Supervisor Walton, I'm going to ask some similar questions to people. Um, I would just say, because we have a long agenda, just try to truncate what you're saying. Because <laughs> That's we, not my no, strong no, no, suit. <laughs> no, no, and again, it's not a criticism. We really appreciate it. We've had some good conversations. I want to highlight that when we spoke, I was impressed by how data has helped you in the, not only in your personal endeavor for your own personal mm. um, health issue, but also in your small business and all the work that you've done on the Small Business Commission. Um, one of the things that I believe that will help in the accountability and oversight of this department is how we look at data. And that doesn't mean to take away the human element, knowing that we're dealing with real, live human beings that are experiencing some of the most traumatic things anyone could experience. But when I think of this department, and I think of 800 units sitting vacant in permanent supportive housing, when I think of that we only do a point in time count every two years, when I think of how many of the things you talk to one provider and they might take two weeks after they get a referral from the coordinated entry system to house someone and then you talk to another provider or look at how they're measuring, how, how the department is measuring and overseeing that the provider. It might take them four or five months to, ha to house somebody right. in permanent supportive housing. That's what I mean when I say data. Yes. And, and so for me, it's important that you're looking at things through that lens. I just want to give you a moment to talk about data-driven solutions and what it can mean for this department. Thank you, Supervisor. Um, so there's two things that we have to keep in our mind at the same time. One is what isn't measured doesn't improve. Uh, so there's uh, naturally an inclination to measure as much as we can. But the other thing we need to remember is uh, there's more to measure than we can actually ingest into our brains. And so it's critical that we concentrate our resources on measuring the right things. Um, and in some cases, we may be measuring too much. We may be collecting too much data, and we're getting overwhelmed. Um, and in other cases, we're not collecting the one bit of data that uh, actually really makes a material difference in outcomes, which I know is what we all care about. Uh, when I think about uh, the department and the service providers, uh, there's a, certainly a constellation of data. Uh, it can be overwhelming at times. It can be hard to understand what the relationship between the numbers is. When I've run my business, after 20 years of running my business, uh, I collected all kinds of data at the start, um, more things than you could ever imagine than I could imagine. At this point, I've reduced it down to two data points. If I know the revenue per unit and the amount of money in the bank account, I can tell you with 95% confidence or interval how the business is doing. So we have to simplify uh, and focus on the, the data points that actually matter and socialize that among policymakers so that we're all thinking and measuring the same things and we're all looking at the same things. Um, certainly when we think about coordinate and entry, months is unacceptable. It's unacceptable, especially when there's vacancies. That, that just can't be. Uh, it shouldn't be months, it should be hours. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's clearly uh, something that I think this com commission should uh, focus in on quickly. 
I think that the data side is something that um, should be a core focus of this uh, commission and, and perhaps forming a data committee uh, specifically to figure out how to uh, ingest that data and turn it into something that people can actually understand. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Laguana. Appreciate it. And now um, I think I have no questions from me, but uh, you can sit down and I, now I'm going to call you. up uh, Dr. Butler. Good morning. Vice, um, excuse me, the Chair Dorsey, Vice Chair Walton, and Supervisor Safai. The mayor has uh, nominated me for the seat two position of this committee, and the commission rather, and um, I feel that I qualify for this role for the number of reasons. First, I serve as the executive director for the San Francisco African American Faith-Based Coalition, and also am a board member for the San Francisco Interfaith Council, and the first vice president for the National, Associ National Association for the Advancement of Colored People San Francisco branch, and also the health committee chair. And in all of these uh, public service roles, uh, I have provided service to homeless uh, people that are experiencing homeless, whether it be feeding through the coalition uh, since 2000, and actually to, since the pandemic, 2016, actually prior to the pandemic, we have been, uh, we have been feeding seniors and also uh, persons who experience a homelessness. And also the San Francisco Interfaith Council has um, nominated me to sort of help to lead the homelessness initiative um, and speaking with um, um, uh, the director uh, McSpadden and others uh, to see ways in which the faith community can be a part of the solutions. And also as a, an advocate uh, body of the NACP has been a spot on and on the, on the, on the front lines in addressing and advocating for uh, uh, people that um, experience homelessness. So all of these roles, I believe, qualify me uh, to serve on this. In addition to that, I am a, a researcher. I'm a medical sociologist at the Department of Family and Community Medicine at UCSF. A part of my life's work has been to study the social determinants of health and how they impact uh, our, our health and the long-term health impacts. And so um, one of those areas in social determinants of health is housing and homelessness. And so I've, I understand the, the research, the data um, that drives um, so, sort of the detriments uh, of health uh, long-term, and one of those um, detriments are, are housing. In addition to that, um, I'm qualified because of uh, the Board of Supervisors in 2018 um, uh, voted me to be on the inaugural committee for the soda tax. And as a part of that committee, I served as the chair for the data and evidence um, committee, which was uh, initiated to bring scholars and researchers, scientists together to make sure that whatever we recommended to the mayor would be data driven. And so I definitely have experience in that and understand the importance of that. I also served on the community input community. So it's not just the data that we see in numbers, but we collect in qualitative data, people's um, lived experience, people's uh, passion about, you know, wanting to address some of the health issues in the community. Uh, and so I listened to many community members around what is needed to ensure that, um, that you know, especially black and brown communities uh, are not um, consuming a lot of sugary drinks. And as you may know, recently there has been an article out, a report, that suggests that um, the, the consumption of sugary drinks has uh, dropped 34%. And especially, um, I'm excited because uh, there has been a drop comparative to, uh, Sanford, uh, to San Jose, who doesn't have this, who don't, 
don't have this initiative, um, it had dropped amongst uh, black and brown individuals. So I'm very excited um, to have served on that committee. I also served as the co-chair as well. Uh, and I uh, understand what it means to start uh, uh, with no, no, no history. It was an inaugural committee. And so we you know, took risks, chances, um, but we have reached a level of success that I think that we all should be proud of as San Franciscans. So I think all of those areas qualify me for this role. The reason why I want to uh, be in this position is because I'm a black man. And because there are only 4%, less than 4%, because we're not even including those families that live together, 4% uh, of the population is black, 40% are homeless. Um, and I think that, you know, that's something that I wake up every morning trying to figure out what I can do, what role can I play to ensure that black folks in the city can be whole and have the best of opportunities to live that holistic life. And so, you know, I ask that you would um, consider me for this nomination due to my qualifications and just my life's work of committing myself to the betterment of all San Franciscans, but especially those that are on the margins, which are African Americans in this city. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Butler. Thanks so much for your willingness to serve. Um, Vice Chair Walton. <coughs> Thank you, Dr. Butler. And you touched on this in terms of the disproportionality of black folks who are homeless here in San Francisco. And there are other issues that exist that are magnified in the Southeast sector. So same question, just in terms of serving on this commission, what do you think the commission can do to hold the department accountable to really address these concerns and, and dis disparities that exist? Thank you, um, Supervisor Walton. One of the things that I've been advocating for is allowing faith communities to actually be a part of the solution, especially since in the black community, as you know, the faith community is the bedrock of the black community. And so as director for the San Francisco African-American Faith-Based Coalition, which most of the churches are in the Bayview, uh, we have been trying to figure out ways in which we can actually play a part in the solution and leading some of the programs um, that should be implemented. So I think having an approach where if in fact there are 40% of blacks that are uh, experiencing homelessness, there should be more community-based organizations, faith-based organizations that actually lead some of that work. And then the other thing is, you know, those programs that actually address uh, this issue, um, if in fact they're not um, performing well, I think that data and evidence will show that. Uh, and that's where I can sort of um, provide my expertise to make sure that we are evaluating those programs that are serving our communities to making sure that they are effective. And if they aren't effective, finding solutions or ways so that we can, as we all want to do, is decrease this number, especially in, in DTN. Thank you, Chair. Um, so uh, you, you started to address, you asked a very similar question. I wanted to ask you to take a step back and think about for a moment of the population that are homeless in San Francisco to know that 38 to 40 percent are African-American. That to me, I mean, and, and we say this, but it, it's shocking. Right. Shocking to think that with such a small population in our city, 
four or five percent, as you as you noted, to think that then thirty eight to forty percent of our homeless population is African American. I mean that is truly shocking. So you started to say what you would think about in terms of approach and bringing the faith community in more and and them being the bedrock of the African American community. I, I absolutely agree with that step. Um, but and then you started to talk a little about, about the data. How do you think then data, you know, knowing that particular point, knowing that there's been something missing, but yet millions and millions of dollars have been given out to address this issue, and yet we still have this striking, shocking statistic. Right. How can we adjust? How can we do better to better serve that particular population, and the whole population, but that, that in particular, like you highlighted the, the drop in consumption of uh, sugary beverages, phenomenal. Right. How can we make a similar impact? I mean, I'm not asking you to wave a magic wand, but I'm just curious just to yeah. build on the data and, and, and that point right. since it feeds into the two questions that I've been Certainly. asking. Certainly. I think first and foremost, be truthful about the data. Although we know that 38 to 40 percent of San Franciscans are homeless, that doesn't account for those families that are multiple families living in the same household. Mm. So that, that number actually is, is not the true number, if you think about it. And the only way to know that is to actually, you know, be in, in the community, understanding the, the, the different intricacies of the community. And so, um, you know, part of that data um, that we talk about and is in line with the work that I do is understanding the quality of that data, qualitative data. And that's where the community comes in. And one of the ways that we were able to successfully um, um, reduce the number of sugary drinks uh, in this city is because we listened to the community and we listened and we coupled that with the data and develop interventions that actually spoke to what the community wanted, needed, because they are the experts in their community. And so that's how we were able to succeed. And so that's certainly something that I would like to contribute if you know, selected to this um, body is to be able to listen and also, you know, and that will inform the numbers of what we know. Thank you, and, and Thank I'll you. just say I'm, I've been very impressed, very happy to have supported you in the work yes. that you did previously and have been doing to this date and the impact that you've had on communities, the health. And I think that will be very informative uh, for your work on this upcoming commission. So thank you for your willingness to serve. Thank, thank you, Mr. You. Chair. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Doctor. And uh, next up, can we hear from Ms. Albright? Good morning, Chair Dorsey. Vice Chair Walton, Supervisor Safi'i, I am honored to be here today regarding my nomination to serve on the Homeless Oversight Commission. I look forward to serving on this commission to advance the intent of San Francisco's voters to provide oversight, accountability, and meaningful opportunities for public engagement and education regarding the work of the Department of Homelessness and Supported Housing. I have devoted my career to partnering with others to improve the health and well-being of children, families, and communities. For the past 16 years, I have served as a CEO of Safe and Sound. I stepped away from this role a few weeks ago to serve as a senior advisor and focus on statewide 
child welfare, and family well-being reform. Previous to Safe and Sound, I served as a deputy city attorney representing the city and county, as well as the San Francisco Unified School District on matters of civil rights, constitutional, municipal law, labor and employment, and public safety. I also served on San Francisco's Board of Appeals and uh, Juvenile Probation Commission. Specific to seat three, I have expertise in mental health services with a particular focus on understanding macro level policy, service delivery systems and management, revenue maximization, and community provider networks. Safe and Sound has served San Francisco's community for 50 years with a mission to prevent and mitigate the impact of child abuse, neglect, and trauma. We do this by strengthening families, building communities, and advancing healing, justice, and equity. Our behavioral health services include child, caregiver, and family psychotherapy, counseling through a 24-7 warm line, which I have been a trained volunteer for seven years, individual and peer support, case management, concrete services, and linkages to housing, job placements, and substance use treatment. Under my leadership, Safe and Sound has been named one of nine best practices in primary child abuse prevention in our country because of our outcomes-based programming, education, and policy advancement. The organization has launched local and statewide initiatives that have improved family outcomes, contributing to a 67% reduction in child abuse and a 61% reduction in entries into foster care in our county over a 15-year period. From this work, I have garnered a deep respect for the mental health providers in our city and have been lucky to work amongst some of the best. I've held strong partnerships with the Department of Public Health, both as a contractor for behavioral health services, as well as a collaborator supporting the department to improve its work on behalf of children and families in our community. I've developed over my career a positive track record for implementing multifaceted solutions to, act to acute and long-term complex matters. I am effective in co-creating public-private partnerships and nonprofit collaborations, making strategic and data-driven decisions, operationalizing social policy solutions, and understanding nonprofit fund development and financing. I want to serve on this commission for two reasons. First, I care deeply about San Francisco and ensuring social justice for our community members. Far too many children and families are homeless, as well as individuals living with significant physical and mental health challenges, living in vulnerable circumstances, with a disproportionate impact on black, indigenous, and, and people of color. This is all too often because of structural and systemic racism. Second, I believe that homelessness is solvable. We can and are coming together to mobilize talent, resources, and policies to make needed shifts and effective change in this area. San Francisco has taken on tough issues before, and we can do it now. I want to be part of that change. For all of these reasons, I believe that I am well qualified to serve on the Homeless Oversight Commission and respectfully appreciate your full consideration. I am confident that together we can implement solutions to help people end their homelessness and involve how we as a city, 
approach one of the most challenging and complex issues of our time. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Albright. And I just want to express my appreciation uh, to you for I know we had a discussion and I value your uh, insights into um, substance use disorders and some of the things we've talked about. And obviously we uh, have a little bit of a crossover during the city attorney's office, which was a formative part of my career. So I appreciate your uh, willingness to serve. Um, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you, Chair Dorsey. And thank you so much, Ms. Albright, for being willing to serve. Uh, just again, same question, and I know you touched on some of the disparities, but what do you think the role of a commissioner can do to make sure that the department is accountable to address these disparities and the disproportionality that exists? Vice Chair Walton, thank you so much for the question. It is uh, the same issues that we, as you know, are experiencing in child welfare, significant disproportionality, and I think as a community, we have to understand and try to implement tools of prevention uh, and focusing early on. Um, specific to your question around accountability, I think there are opportunities for legislative policy and practice changes, um, including, as was mentioned by uh, former candidates, um, really listening to the voices of those with lived experiences, listening to the community, centering voices of those, particularly those uh, in the black and African-American community that are so deeply impacted. Additionally, I think that we can think about data in a transformative and transparent way and think about our role as the commission in ensuring that that data is communicated to the public. I believe there are opportunities for equity checks around funding and fund availability as well as implicit bias training for ourselves, as well as everyone in the system. And finally, I think that um, having a clear vision around accountability always as our primary goal will be essential to the work of the commission. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, thank you, Ms. Albright, for your willingness to serve. Appreciate it. Um, and also enjoyed the conversation that we had to talk about the experiences and work that you've done. One thing I wanted to highlight um, after listening to you speak and it's something that I think we spoke about and some of the other folks that I interviewed spoke about is a lot of times this department, and this is one of the charges that we're asking you to be a part of, might have ideas that could potentially be positive in terms of the impact that they have on the unhoused, but the implementation falls sh short. So what I'm referring to is uh, an example would be, um, we, we did a pilot of uh, safe parking in my district. We did that for a year and a half. Uh, the department was very earnest after prodding from my office for almost two years to do this based on uh, an explosion of people living in vehicles across the city. We asked for a census, we got that census, and we finally showed in, in, in the point in time count that it was one of the largest increases in the entire city, that this is something that was a phenomenon, and this was a few years ago. So rather than just making it happen overnight, we, we, we asked them to slow down. We put a group of people together from the community. We listened to the community. We got consensus. We then hosted a community meeting 
Um, and in that meeting, I think more people participated in any than I've ever been a part of in over two decades in the Excelsior Outer Mission. Well over a thousand people participated. We had department heads and then we listened more and we found out what really needed to happen on that site. 24 hour um, staffing, lighting, cameras, coordination between the police department and BART, coordination between SFMTA and Public Works. And we did it for a year and a half and we asked the controller to audit that at the end and I think it was pretty uh, well received. Um, in coordination and work with Supervisor Walton, we, we then rolled that out um, and he expanded it to the Bayview. But from those lessons, one of the key mistakes the department did is they moved so quickly they didn't have electricity. They've never fully been able to implement it in the site. They've never been able to expand it to its capacity. And it's been a lot of frustration, I know. And I know Supervisor Walton has been deeply in involved in trying to make that work. But again, it falls on the department to deliver. And so if we have ideas, we have examples, and we have the data, and we have policies, we have new uh, things that we can expand, a lot of the charge of your commission is going to be ensuring the oversight and the implementation of those ideas. So can you talk about that a little bit and, and some of your experience in overseeing the implementation and, and accountability for that um, a policy? Thank you very much, Supervisor, for that question. And I would say a couple components around that. Um, I'm so grateful that the community was listened to. And how do we think as we go to scale on projects that we continue to set collective expectations and that we measure against those expectations? I also think it's incredibly important as we think about complex problems that need multifaceted solutions that we ensure that we're bringing all departments into the conversation. HSH, the Department of Public Works in this instance, as well as the Department of Public Health and others. We all need in our community to be on the same page, to understand this is the number one priority for everyone, and we have to move together. And so I would recommend as we continue to learn from both successes, we also learn from opportunities for betterment going forward. We develop shared agreements, shared expectations, and shared measurements, and we go back and we review those measurements, and that is the opportunity for the, uh, for the future with this commission. I also wanted to recognize that we are working in a trauma-impacted system. Those whom we are helping are experiencing trauma, as well as the very system within which we are working. Therefore, it is incredibly important that we increase transparency, communication, compassion, and understanding as we go through it together. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much, Ms. Albright. Um, seeing no further questions from my colleagues, uh, Mr. Clerk, can we now open up items two, three, and four to public comment? Yes. Members of the public who wish to speak on items two, three, or four and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, you can call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2489-884.
three, four, three, four, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. Can we have our first in-person speaker? Good morning, board and candidates here this morning. My name is Dale Seymour. For the last seven or so years, I've been uh, chair of the Local Homeless Coordinating Board. And the reason why this meeting is so important to me this morning, my board will have to work with these candidates. So I'm not here to endorse anyone specifically because they all look great. I wish we could appoint every one of them. But I just want you to ensure in your selection process, which you're going to do here in a few minutes, you consider background in this field. That's very important to us. We talked about oversight this morning. Oversight, and you all know your budget committee is a, is a primary oversight of this department. The city controller, primary oversight of this department. Where we lack oversight at HSH is the relationship between the providers and the department. That's where this commission will really come in handy. As one of these supervisors know, I was completely against this commission at the beginning. And then after our conversations, and we found out there's, there's, there's the gaps in between that relationship between the providers and this department, then I got on board with this commission, as you know. So I just want you to consider background, what they can actually do for it. Keep the politics out of this. It don't matter who you know on this second floor. It matters who you know out on those streets. Do you know Tyrone? Do you know Sheila? Have you been out there with them? Have you been working with them? And this job for you applicants, just to know, just on the local homeless coordinating board, I spend 15 to 20 hours a week out on those streets related to my position. So you all need to be ready for that. And if you're not willing to come out and spend time on these streets, go to the shelters, go to the providers, talk to people, go to meetings, go to Sacramento, go to Washington. Maybe this position may not be for you. Because this ain't nothing just to have a little business card from the city. This is actually involved in people's lives. People, we're dying on the streets, we're starving on the streets, we're freezing on the streets, and this is a position to help folks. So just keep that as your number one consideration as you go through the process of this. And thanks for the opportunity. Good morning, Chair Dorsey and Supervisors. I'm Mee Alden. I'm UCSF's Director of Local and State Government Relations. Um, on behalf of the university, I'm so pleased to support the nomination of this outstanding member of our faculty, Dr. Jonathan Butler, to the Homeless Oversight Commission. Um, Dr. Butler shared his credentials at UCSF's Department of Family and Community Medicine, as well as our Center for the Study of Adversity and Cardiovascular Disease. And he's also a leader, a longtime leader, at UCSF's Black Health Initiative. Um, we're an academic medical center. As you know, we're known for our leadership in healthcare research and education at UCSF. And Dr. Butler exemplifies all of those aspects of our mission. But what sets Dr. Butler apart is his commitment to and his activism in the community. He holds leadership roles in the San Francisco branch of the NAACP, the San Francisco African American Faith-Based Co Coalition, many other programs. Um, he also holds a Master's of Divinity focused on religion and health. And today he serves as an Associate Minister at Third Baptist Church. During COVID-19, uh, when it was clear that historical distrust of the medical community was preventing some people of color from trusting the COVID-19 vaccine, 
Dr. Butler was one of the faculty members that we asked to film a public service video to be a trusted voice who would respect people's concerns about the safety of the vaccine and assure them of its safety. Um, Dr. Butler's work in family and community medicine, gotcha. his access to our faculty in District 6 at Citywide Case Management at the General make him an outstanding candidate. He is a full support of Chancellor Hoggett in the university, and we urge your support for his appointment to the commission. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. Let me preface this by saying that I voted no on this bullshit-ass commission because as a permanent supporter of housing tenant who's worked with the, the reporters on the Chronicle investigation and who led a major campaign to improve the lives of my fellow tenants, and as someone who served on an advisory commission that dealt partially with PSH issues, I'd not think that having a majority mayor commission would bring any real fucking oversight. I am not going to speak for or against the mayoral appointees, except that you all work for us, current and formerly homeless people and former current PSH tenants who are experiencing the fucked up policy decisions of the city, and you are not supposed to be the mayor's fucking puppets. I want to especially say that Mr. Liguana should not forget his roots and that he has to listen to people like me, bare-knuckled brawlers who tell you what you need to hear about city-funded trap houses rather than what you want to fucking hear. Also, to Mr. Butler's statements, Fuck faith-based organizations getting contracts. They're fucking homophobic, transphobic, and sexist. Look, I am a permanently disabled people person who has no aspirations. I ain't got nothing to fucking lose. Do you know what? Do you know that no matter what happens today with this item and the next, you will all hear my thoughts about HSH operations at this commission's, punctuated by a torrent of fuck shits, assholes, and others foul language. So be fucking ready. I yield my time. Fuck you. There being no additional parties in the chamber for public comment, we can move on to our remote public comment. It looks like we have approximately two parties in line. Supervisors, my name is Francisco da Costa. We cannot address the homelessness issues unless we do a needs assessment. If you look at public housing all over San Francisco, it was built by the Department of Defense. What's going on in all our neighborhoods with public housing is we are turning it over to bridge developers, Navy, and there are supervisors who are hand in glove with Mercy Housing, pretending to help the homelessness, but failing us. The previous speaker may have used some foul language, but actually, he being a homeless person, he really knows how to treat them. Look at this. I am addressing the Board of Supervisors, and two supervisors are having a talk among themselves. That tells you about our supervisors. Our supervisors talk the talk, but they do not walk the walk. So we will not be able to solve the homelessness problem unless we have people who really want to help us. And we saw this with Proposition C. Even though the people wanted something to happen with Proposition C, we had the mayor herself go the other way. And we have some supervisors right now there sitting down 
who are hand in glove with the developers. They are not for the, the poor people. I would say, in order to help the African-American uh, community, we need real leadership. Good leaders that know the way, show the way, and Speaker go the way. time has elapsed. Yeah. Can we have our next caller, please? Great. David Pilpel, very briefly, I am impressed, very impressed with the mayor's uh, three appointees today, and I uh, support uh, their uh, appointment. I think they will serve our city well. I think you're going to have a more difficult time with the uh, board appointments given the, the number, and I will leave that to you. But I support the three uh, mayor's uh, nominees today. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hi, good morning, buenos dias. Uh, I'm wanting to make my uh, vote for the community Board of Supervisors seats. This is correct, right? Because I just heard talk, talk about the mayor's candidates. Hello? Uh, this is public Hello? comment and uh, you can make your comment regarding the appointment. Uh, however, this is not a time for question and answers. No, correct. Okay, good. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, good morning. My name is Francisco Herrera, a community member. Also, uh, work with the uh, Daily Work Program Movements Collective of the Dolores Street Community Services and part of the Latino Task Force Street Needs Assessment Committee. It's important for us to for for us to name uh, Tracy Mixon, Joaquin Guerrero, and Janetta Johnson for the lived experience. Uh, my apologies, I hate to interrupt. Uh, uh, we are not currently on that item yet. Uh, we are considering okay, the mayor's appointment. Question. If you don't mind waiting uh, until we get to the item number six, we'll be happy to accept your public comment at that time. Okay, just double checking. That was our last public comment on the mayor's nomination for appointment. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on items two, three, and four is now closed. Um, I will echo um, the sentiment from one of the callers that um, I think this, these were some very impressive um, folks who are uh, um, endeavoring to serve on this commission, and I would like to uh, move to amend the motion to strike reject from each motion and send these appointments to the full board with positive recommendation. Um, Mr. Clerk? Yes, on the motion to delete reject and to recommend the matter with uh, for approval for items number two, three, and four. Vice Chair Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai? Aye. Safai, aye. Uh, Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion to amend and recommend is adopted without objection. Thank you, Mr. Young. On a unanimous vote, then, items two through four go to the full board with positive recommendation. Uh, Mr. Clerk, I'm going to ask that we call item in consideration of everyone's time. Let's call item six. Yes, item number six. Item number six is a hearing to consider appointing one member term ending May 1st, 2025, 
and two members terms ending May 1st, 2027 to the Homeless Coordin Homelessness Oversight Commission. Uh, regarding the seat, uh, I, seat number five shall be held by a person who has personally experienced homelessness. Seat number six shall be held by a person with significant experience providing services to or engaging in advocacy on behalf of persons experiencing homelessness. Seat number seven shall be held by a person with significant experience working with homeless families, with children, and or homeless youth. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, I know we are excited to hear from all of the applicants, and this is going to be the hard part of this. Uh, my office had the opportunity uh, to meet with everyone who applied, and I will say I'm very impressed with um, all of the applications. I think um, any of you would be valuable uh, additions to this commission. We are, of course, with, uh, tasked with choosing only three. In many ways, our application pool is uh, an embarrassment of riches to use an overused idiom, um, but I really do want to encourage those who are not selected um, to this commission to consider serving um, on one of our department's other oversight bodies or uh, any other commission or in any ways that um, our city affords opportunities to serve. Um, one other point I'd like to add about the job we as policymakers um, are tasked to do in these kinds of decisions is that it's not necessarily um, about you. In fact, uh, I think just generally, the less personally one takes things, um, the better off you'll be in public life. Although part of our decision-making um, responsibilities is to ev evaluate individual candidates, another responsibility is to stand back and look at the entirety of the commission to which we are making appointments and to ask ourselves um, as city leaders whether uh, the commission reflects the city's diversity um, or the nuances of issues that the commission will focus on during its time, its tenure. Um, so I hope there's no hard feelings, and uh, please know that your willingness to serve is appreciated, and I know that's true for me and all my colleagues. I want to quickly go over the ground rules for the hearing today. Um, we will hear from everyone who applied starting with seat five, then seat six, then seat seven. If you've applied for more than one seat, we ask applicants to speak first for the lowest number for which they applied. Um, I'll call individuals to the podium. When your name is called, please come up to the podium and speak for two minutes um, on your qualifications for that seat or seats, if you're seeking multiple seats, um, to which you've applied and your interest in serving on the commission, um, as Supervisor Safai discussed in the last uh, couple of items. Uh, my colleagues and I may have questions following your statements, um, so please stay up there until you're sure that we have concluded, and then I'll call up the next person. Once we hear from everyone, we'll go to public comment and the clerk will give instructions uh, and once we're ready. And after public comment, my colleagues and I will discuss and then uh, vote on whom we recommend for this commission, assuming we do, and then we'll adjourn. So with that, um, let's start with seat number five. And I'd like to ask, it's my understanding that I was just informed that Janetta Johnson is um, withdrawing um, and I would like to ask to have come up Joaquin Witt Guerrero. Joaquin, the floor is yours. Uh, before we begin the comment, I'd like to ask anybody who is joining us via Microsoft Teams, if you can go ahead and turn off your camera and mute your microphone until we call on you to speak. Uh, that would be appreciated. Thank you very much. Good morning, supervisors. Um, my name is Joaquin Guerrero. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I was uh, recommended to apply for seats five and six in order to bring trans leadership to the homelessness response system. 
I'm twice an immigrant born in Mexico and raised in Vancouver, Canada, where I began working with the homelessness response system in the downtown east side, a neighborhood that is commonly compared to the Tenderloin. Um, like many trans leaders in San Francisco, I came here to access trans services and live somewhere I feel, felt I could be myself and experience safety. In the process, I experienced chronic homelessness, and in 2020, I finally secured housing, and in the peak of the pandemic, worked at an HSH-funded program providing services to over 100 unhoused San Franciscans in the Bayview, um, reversing overdoses, uh, lost a lot of coworkers and staff members to suicide, overdose, predominantly who were African-American and Latino. Uh, the following year, I became the inaugural director of Art Trans Home SF and oversaw a 15-room transitional home in the Mission and a scattered subsidy program that has now providing, uh, provided housing and stabilization to many uh, formerly unhoused San Franciscans. I then led the opening of the first trans-centered navigation center in the SOMA. Uh, this model led to the advocating for the mayor's plan to end uh, trans homelessness and reach effective zero homelessness for the trans population in five years. And I currently work as a certified mediator for the San Francisco's Bar Association, providing conflict resolution to landlords and tenants in permanent supportive housing. I currently serve on the city's shelter monitoring committee, HSH's strategic framework advisory committee, and I formerly served on the Office of Trans Initiatives Trans Advisory Committee. Um, I'm here because I feel a sense of duty as a transgender uh, person, um, as our community is currently under attack and there's a national crisis that aims to eradicate our existence. Uh, making trans, refugees, trans people refugees in their own country and um, based on the da data from our program uh, has shown that the population of unhoused uh, transgender people in San Francisco is rapidly increasing. Um, having trans representation on the commission is critical to how the city will respond to this crisis. Um, and yeah, I'll stop there and, I'll, uh, and I would like to answer your questions. Um, as far as addressing uh, racial equity and especially specifically for the black community, the way that I came into my position at the R-Trans home was that there were serious um, equity issues, racial equity issues within the services that were being provided because there are so many more Latino people that need the services, um, black trans people were not accessing the services and we had to pause and recreate MOUs and change policies to commit to racial equity. Um, so sometimes the term BIPOC is not enough, right? Because uh, you have to go and do outreach as uh, black indigenous people have been traumatized by the system, they've divested. They no longer want to uh, access services and as, term, as Mr. Laguana stated, the answer is simplify. Focusing too much on data has created uh, processes that make it actually longer for people to become housed once they enter the system. Um, and uh, you know, when I worked at the shelters, it was clear that there were people that had been living in a 30-day temporary shelter program for over two years, right? So, um, so the issue is not necessarily providers. It's the bureaucratic systems that slows everything down. So that's the kind of thing that I've learned specifically about uh, the one system. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about data as well. Um, I have a personal mission to aid in the ending of homelessness. I started working on that in Vancouver, BC, and have been able to transfer those skills over here. Um, so, you know, we understand that homelessness is a problem that was created, right? So my data point, and between 78 and 83, the federal housing budget shrank from 83 billion to 18 billion. 
Today, it has only uh, risen to 60% of what it used to be. Uh, during the same time, mental health facilities closed down and uh, increased our incarcerated population by 500%. The federal government, uh, in that case, defunded housing and invested in prisons. Um, so my answer is to accountability. Uh, we need to invest in our frontline workers who are predominantly African-American, Latino, and formerly incarcerated, underpaid and overworked, many of whom have died of overdose and suicide since the pandemic. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't think that the issue is the providers. They are working overtime and it is killing them. Um, and they also, my own staff, have gone from being so traumatized by the work that they go from being service providers to having to access services. And I think that is the issue. So the data demonstrates uh, the problems, as um, Dr. Butler mentioned, but the people are who tells us the solutions. And you can really go down to any homeless community meeting and find out that some people would rather live on the street than go back to accessing services from the city. And that uh, people would rather live in a unit with their own bathroom than, and wait and stay in a shelter or on the street than go into an SRO. So these are data points that um, are documented by the city, but also really not that hard to find out if you know how to talk to the community. So um, any further questions? I appreciate uh, you anticipating my colleagues' questions and answering them. I, I would just ask you, because I know we had touched on this a little bit, but I would welcome the opportunity for you to talk a little bit about some of the disproportionate rates of violence that um, members of the trans transgender community and especially transgender people of color um, face when they're experiencing unsheltered homelessness? I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, unfortunately we lost uh, a black trans staff worker that we had um, very recently. That was a huge loss to our community. She was a leader and she was very young and very, uh, an angel on earth, that's all I can say. And that is too uncommon. Um, we understand that black trans women are currently under attack continue to go murder, uh, being murdered and missing, and it does not make the news. Um, you know, just last week, uh, a building that was subsidized uh, through our program that housed 21 black trans women mysteriously burnt down after people had been already trying to displace them from it. So um, this is, as I stated, this is a national crisis, right? Um, basically, I could be incarcerated for being a male impersonator in the state of Tennessee. And so people are becoming refugees in their own country. And uh, when I was on the Office of Trans Initiatives, we met with federal uh, Rachel Levine, of, uh, or sorry, uh, from the health uh, department of the, of the federal government. And um, sh you know, we coined the term trans refugees um, so that the, the federal government would have language to use to address the, the crisis. Thank you so much, colleagues. Were questions? No, you, you, you anticipated them all. Thank you so much for coming prepared. Thanks so all much, right. Mr. Rowe. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and now uh, let's hear from Robert Paul McCloskey. I believe uh, he is attending with us remotely. Okay. Mr. McCloskey, the floor is yours. Ms. Murakowski, uh, if you're with us online, you can unmute your mic and turn on your camera. 
Um, he's not responding at the moment. Okay. If we can go ahead and move on to our next person. Hold on, here I am. Okay. Here I am. There we go. Hello. Hey, Mr. McCloskey, the floor is yours. Good morning. Sorry about that. I couldn't find the mic thing. Um, uh, thank you, Chairman Dorsey, uh, Vice Chair Walton, Supervisor Safai, and Mr. Young. Um, I'm honored to be here this morning. Um, I've heard a lot of stuff here. I originally um, decided to do this because I had been homeless um, back a few years ago, and I was amazed at how easily it was, how easy it was to acclimate to that environment. Um, uh, my qualifications, let's see, I've been homeless. Um, when I stopped being homeless, I became a counselor and I worked with the methadone clinics. And um, I just, I saw, I saw the homeless problem increasing every year, every year. And what amazed me is um, I was doing some investigation the other night and in the 2021-22 um, fiscal year, the budget for homelessness, I believe was $1.1 billion. And um, it still got worse. So I couldn't figure out why. I, I, I didn't understand why it was getting worse. When they thought, when they, when I heard about this homeless oversight commission, I decided it was going to be uh, a good thing because I know, like, like um, um, I forget her name, the woman who was the last uh, mayoral appointee when she was speaking, she believes that this uh, problem can be solved. I don't believe it can be solved. I know it can be solved. That I know how to solve it. Um, there are there are plenty of ways that um, 1.1 billion dollars could be spent. Um, to get rid of this problem, but I don't see where it's being done. Um, let me, I have it written down here. Hold on, I made some notes last night. Um, one of the ways is increasing the funding for affordable housing. Um, one, of the, one of the main causes of homelessness in San Francisco is of course, lack of affordable housing. Therefore, I think a significant portion of the budget should be uh, allocated to building more affordable housing units. This could be achieved by providing financial incentives for the developers to build more affordable housing and increasing subsidies for low-income families to make rent payments. Um, another one is to expand, expand our, um, caught me off guard there. <laughs> Expand the rental assistance programs. In addition to building more affordable housing, the city can expand existing rental assistance programs to help low-income families pay their rent. This can be done by increasing the amount of funding available for these programs, as well as expanding eligibility criteria um, to include more people that are, that are fitting into the criteria of being San Francisco homeless as it is. Uh, three, increase the access to mental health and addiction treatment. Many individuals experiencing homelessness in San Francisco, as we know, have mental health and addiction issues. I would, I would hazard to say all of them. Um, but the, the availability of treatment is, it doesn't match the problem. It doesn't even come close to matching the problem. Great. Uh, Mr. Martin, the, so what's that? No, I appreciate it, Mr. McCloskey. So I just were trying to keep folks to around two minutes, but we want oh, to- did I go over have, to Yeah, that, and that's fine. We're, we're, I do want to, if it's okay, okay with you, we could, uh, I could ask my colleagues if they have any questions and you could expand sure. on to this in the Q&A. Sure. So, Supervisor Safi? Okay. Uh, Mr. McCloskey, anything else to add? I think, I appreciate- that's it. Okay, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your uh, willingness to serve and thank you for your time. And uh, now let's hear from Ennis Johnson. Uh, Mr. Johnson, the floor is yours. 
Hello, supervisors. Uh, my um, qualification for um, seat five is that I'm here. I, I, I have the lived experience of being out there. I, I, I come in here to the city hall this morning, my wife and I, um, she was gonna drive to work. She works for creative management. We've been in housing for over two decades, you know, in between my, my um, going back and forth out there. Um, but so I told her, no, I walk. So I walked down the sixth street and then walked up 6th Street to um, Mission. I used to live on the Knox on 6th Street. Um, didn't pay any rent. I was there for four or five months. And, and then I, I walked down um, Market to, to the other um, areas. I know homelessness and I know substance use. I'm a recovering addict. I, you know, I was looking at Willie Brown's picture and it's talking about renovation. I remember in, and when they were renovating City Hall, Outside um, City Hall was like New Jack City. I've been around the city a little while. I got out of the Navy in 1979. Um, I, from Treasure Island, I was born and raised in Seattle, but I've been here the last 40 years. And my two children, one that got murdered um, here in, in the Bay Area. So I hear, <laughs> I, I, I love all the conversations that went before me, and I hear about um, Indian homelessness. And um, one of the things that's difficult about homelessness is that we have to have to deal with the core. And a lot of people become homeless for a lot of different reasons. I understand divorce, domestic violence, a lot of different reasons. But two of the main reasons are mental health and substance use. And until we deal with mental health and substance use, um, we will not be able to keep people housed. I was housed, but you're not going to stay housed if you're on drugs and you're seriously on drugs. So, I mean, I don't know that, oh, I got 18 seconds? Yeah, so I, again, I've, I've worked in the field. I've worked for different um, agencies here in San Francisco. Um, I'm currently across the Bay now, San Francisco Center Point. Um, so I know addiction, I've worked for Caritas and other um, housing here around. So I, I thank you for your time. I hear that beat, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna step Great. back. Thanks so much, Mr. Johnson. And um, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you, Chair Dorsey, and thank you, Mr. Johnson. Just <clears throat> same question, how would you, if you were on the commission, hold the department accountable to addressing the disparities that exist in not only in terms of number of black people and experiencing homelessness, but also the issues and concerns of the Southeast sector as well? Well, first of all, I lived in the Southeast sector from 80 to 88. I delivered mail and delivered mail up on the hill, Hunters Point. So I'm very, very familiar with um, District 10 because I lived there. I've, I've done a lot of um, um, things that I'm not proud of there. You know, the 80s was a tough, uh, tough um, decade for um, the black people in, um, in Bayview because the crack came out. And when the crack came out, People either moved away or they lost houses behind the drugs. And so you, your generational um, having homes left in the 80s because of, of, of the drug, um, drug um, addictions. How would I address it? Again, I, 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 you know, I'm a cat five. I'm, I'm the highest um, substance use counselor you could have in the state of California. Um, I'm licensed as a substance use counselor, so a lot of my thinking is, is on substance use. And I'm saying it's the same with, um, with 
the tenderloin. You got you to gotta address the, the drug issue. How, the housing, housing agencies have to have substance use counselors in the hotels, permanent, not, not urban alchemy, not um, ambassadors, not um, other people. They need trained substance use counselors in every building, along with mental health, every building that they put um, clients in. You know, we could take them out of Wickham and put them in the other buildings, but if we don't put any um, substance use counselors, I'm not talking about roving substance use counselors, I'm talking about stationary substance use counselors that get to know the people and they know them. So when they do use, they come to them and say, hey, you know, man, I've been using and you have somebody there to talk to before they lose their place. Because like I said, if they're not, I stayed there four or five months. I didn't pay rent one, one month because I kept using I kept using, I would say, next month I'll pay the rent when I get my GA check, and didn't pay it, didn't pay it. And I had no one to talk to. Great. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. Thank you. You answered my questions as well. I appreciate you coming and putting your name forward today, and particularly bringing the lens of substance abuse. I think it's an extremely important part of the conversation. So thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. Um, next up is Masood Samirieh. I believe they are um, joining us remotely. Okay. Good morning, uh, honorable supervisors. Um, my name is Masood Samirieh, um, and uh, I'm the broker owner of Aria Properties in Castro. Uh, this is my 20th, 20th year as a small business. I. Uh, for the informational purposes, I've been on the board of Castro Merchants since 2016 till uh, present time. Uh, I was the president of Castro Merchants from 2019 20, till 2021. Work on the Castro Dolores Park Homelessness uh, Project super, with Supervisor Mandelman's office since 2019. Uh, I was the vice uh, vice president of the Council of District Merchants from 2022 to 2021. And then I've been the president of uh, Council of District Merchants since uh, 2022 and was reelected this year. Uh, I live in the Castro and I love this city. And um, what, what I'm concerned about is why should we, as a civilized society and the most advanced, both economically and technologically city in the world, continue to deal with current street conditions. I have seen the mental illness, drug dealing, and open drug use, and homelessness in our streets and business corridors, despite spending millions, if not billions, every year. And it's not getting better, it's just getting worse. As an example, we had, in 2019, we had 17 individuals in our list of most in need of help in the Castro. In the latest report, it has grown to 37. For the amount of funds and resources we are spending and throwing at this issue, we are not seeing much impact. It's time to look at outside the box. It's time for accountability and fresh blood. These are human beings we're talking about. And we need to bear in mind that they all deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Masood. Okay, questions from colleagues? Seeing none, okay. Thank you so much, Mr. Samiri. I just, uh, I'll just oh, say real quick, Mr. Sure. Chair, I, I asked all my questions to Mr. Samiri 
we met um, and checked in, so he, he addressed them. Thank you. Thank you for putting your name forward. Thank you so much. Um, next up, uh, let's hear from Tracy Mixon. Tracy Mixon, the floor is yours. Yep. Wait a minute. Let me go to this one. Sorry, put my Good morning, everybody. Um, I am extremely honored and humbled to be here because this is somewhere I never thought I would be at actually having an opportunity like this. So just to let you get, let you get to know a little bit about myself, I'm a formerly homeless mother. Um, my daughter's almost 13 and I actually, the home that I lost was four blocks away from here. So it's a little bit bittersweet up, being up in here and knowing that the home that I lost is just four blocks away. So I have personally experienced the challenges of being homeless and that was not my first rodeo being homeless. I was homeless as a child, living doubled up with my mom, um, with her sister. And I didn't realize I was homeless because I was a kid. I was like from ages five to 14. I didn't realize I was homeless because I had a roof over my head. Then as an adult, I became homeless as well because of course I didn't have a lease. And when you don't have a lease, that's how you end up homeless. Um, I've gone through the coordinated entry system, and I'm glad that um, I had an opportunity to be able to talk to um, HSH because I work for the Coalition on Homelessness, and quarterly we meet with the, um, with the Department of HSH to talk about the needs that, are that the homeless population is facing. So I have been a part of that. I've been working at the Coalition almost five years at this point. So I've had an opportunity to be a part of that. Also along with that, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was concerned about families that were living in the first friendship family shelter, and that was the only emergency family shelter in San Francisco. And I was a part of um, helping those families get into the oasis to have somewhere better to stay at so they didn't have to sleep on mats on the floor and worry about families getting sick. Um, also along with that, I'm always on the streets because I live in the Tenderloin now. And so I'm always on the streets out here talking to folks, finding out what they need and finding out what they need, what they need most. Because at the end of the day, ultimately, the homeless folks, and I'm a formerly homeless folk myself, so we're the folks that know ultimately what will make these situations better and what HSH and what the providers actually need to do to make things easier. So, and these, all these services are vital for the stability of everybody. I live, like I said, mentioned earlier, I currently live in supportive housing. I have worked in supportive housing. So I have seen the needs of people that live in supportive housing and what would make those things better to avoid a high turnover because there is such a high turnover within the supportive housing system and within the shelter system. You have to pay people what they're worth, and you also have to let them know the, the services that they need because it's not easy to do this work because you get a real hard burnout by doing this work. And these folks need the services that they need in order to continue helping the unhoused population. Also along with that, I was on the Family Advisory Council for HSH, and that was a group of formerly homeless um, homeless parents and we would discuss the needs that homeless families need. Also along with that, I was a community advisory board member for Tipping Point and we discussed the needs of single, um, single adults, the things that they need as well. Um, also, 
Um, I've worked in the Tenderloin for over 20 years. I was also a corner captain for TLCBD. And so every day of my life, I deal with the homeless population. And it's like I'm always trying to advocate for them and see what they need, because if I didn't have someone advocate for me, I wouldn't be able to advocate for anybody else, and there needs to be more advocacy along with this. Thank you. So I'm ready for questions. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Uh, just normally Sorry, I got a fan club. <laughs> oh, that's fine. And I, and I appreciate that, and, and uh, this is, I normally our, our, what we do is to express our, um, you know, our fandom to to this we do these little like quiet hands but um but i appreciate the uh, enthusiasm for you and i just want to say express my gratitude for the great conversation we had and um the, the when we met um colleagues um vice chair walton thank you chair dorsey and thank you miss mixon uh definitely appreciate you stepping up and wanting to serve and just the same question as commissioner, what could you do to hold the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing accountable to the disproportionalities that exist around homelessness? For me, it's all about you have to get to know the people that are suffering. And I would want somebody to, and I want to, okay, let's see how can I say this. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little, bit side, a little bit ahead of myself. Okay, for me, for example, when I was going through coordinated entry, it was hard for me not to talk to somebody that looked like me. And I, wanted, I want people, there needs to be more cultural competency with this. There needs to be also along with that, the providers that are providing these services to homeless folks, they need to not only have cultural competency, they need to have the patience, they need to understand what I'm going through and have an explanation on why they're asking me these questions. Folks need to get out, there also needs to be, in my opinion, folks from HSH need to go out here and really talk to these folks that are out here living in these situations because you won't understand what they're going through unless you're actually talking to them because I wasn't street homeless, but I was shelter homeless. But because I, was, I'm, I go out on these streets and I talk to people and figure out their needs and everything, that gives me a better understanding on what I would need to do going forward as a commissioner. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, Supervisor Safai. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Tracy, again. Uh, we had a great conversation. Really appreciate you putting your name forward and sharing your experiences. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, data and how data can impact uh, the direction of the department. So I just want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. Just for um, my experience with um, the data portion, um, a couple of years ago, um, the Coalition on Homelessness, we um, did a report called Stop the Revolving Door, and it was concentrated on what were the reasons and the causes why people were becoming homeless, and what would have changed it so they wouldn't become homeless, and it was so relatable to me. I was a researcher on this. And so it was so relatable to me because I understand what would have helped me. It would have helped me if I'd have had the money to continue to pay for my apartment. It would have helped me if I would have had the money to um, like maybe consult a lawyer to fight back against the landlords that I had that were new landlords and everything. So that's definitely something that would help along with trying to figure out because data is very, very important because you got to get out there and talk to the people because if you don't talk to the people, the numbers don't mean nothing if you don't have a conversation with people. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chair. 
Thank you, um, Tracy. So, Thank thanks you. so much. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a good morning. Thanks. Uh, next up, we'd like to hear from Gregory Johnson. Mr. Johnson, the floor is yours. Good morning, uh, Chairman uh, Dorsey, Vice Chair Walton, and Supervisor Stefai fucked out on me. So, this is, my name is Gregory Johnson. A number of years ago, specifically right around 77, I experienced homelessness as a student, USC, that landed me about two years into just being a part of the world. During that time, I met Reverend Charles and his wife, Claire Orr, Presbyterian Church, Westwood, California. We, I was a part of the founding people of PATH, People Assisting the Homeless. There's a number of components that go into this from my perspective. All of them are important. Data is important. The human element, certainly important. But at the end of the day, everybody, all these components have to come together. You need someone that's able to bring people together. In a safety meeting one time, I was reminded, just recently, I was reminded that we have all these different departments that we're asking to be on the same team. So we're all on the same bus, but we have to have a driver. In that particular case, the mayor was the driver. And we kept looking, and she wasn't there to drive the bus. Does it mean that everything else fall apart? Pretty much so. It's, it's real easy for that to happen. I think that to this, I bring the ability to bring people together, both sides. Data is important. We can't overlook that. But we can't overlook the fact that we need the human element in this. We need HSH to be accountable for the money that's given to them. We need providers under contract to be accountable for the services there to render under those contracts. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to account to the taxpayer every dime of their money that we have spent saying that we're trying to eliminate this problem. There is a way to solve this problem. There is, without a doubt. Um, I was asked a couple weeks ago by the San Francisco Chronicle at one of their invites from every, they had people from every district there. And I was asked one question and one question only to house 2,000 people in one year without exceeding the money that's already been allocated to deal with this. How would I do it? I was the only one that came up with an answer, but you gotta be honest. Do you wanna solve homelessness or do you wanna just get people into housing? There is a difference. I wanna see people get housed and stay housed. What's the cost? I don't know but we'll never know until we actually sit down and have the conversation. Thank you, Mr. Johnson and sure. uh, uh, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you for uh, stepping up and wanting to serve Mr. Johnson. And you mentioned accountability. How would you hold the department accountable? 
I don't believe that, uh, it's not impossible. As a department head, you have a responsibility to not just the elected officials, but to the community as a whole. And I believe that the pressure that's put into place by a commission actually holds them accountable. There's no, oh, well, I forgot this over here, this piece. You were talking about the power. And there's, that's just not possible. We have too many people, too many eyes, too many checklists. We can't leave anything. I mean, nothing can be left behind. Nothing was just forgotten. Somebody just didn't do their job. And they need to do those jobs. And when they don't do the jobs, I say that we replace them with people that will do the job. We have to get tough. We can't continue to do nothing or to do little or to say, well, that's okay. It's not okay that people are living on the streets. That's not okay. It's not okay that my sister and her daughter lived in their, their SUV for eight years before she got housing. I walk through the TLs every single day. I meet with stakeholders. I meet with people. I am in touch with... Most people still don't even have an idea that there are resources that are available that were suspended right after COVID. But they're still there. People have to know where they can go. That's doing outreach daily. What do I want to do? I want to pick up another language so that I can get into the housing buildings where people that don't speak English, I can speak their language. I'm 62 years old, a retiree of ExxonMobil. Now, heading up their IT asset management, that was no easy job. You have to talk to people in every country. I want something better. My mom wanted something better. She was a high school graduate of, of uh, Mission High. She was a nurse right there at Treasure Island. My grandmother fed this city, most times at a cost that she picked up. I get it. I'm just trying to give it back. So accountability, it's possible, it's achievable, but we have to be, <laughs> we gotta be tough on it. Uh, thank you so much. And now Supervisor Safai. Yeah, I just wanna say you, you answered my question with regard to data, so we talked about that and want, really wanna thank you for your time and the Absolutely. conversation we had. Thank and you. just know that I'm not, if I don't make it to this commission, I will still be there. I've been to these hearings before. I'll continue to come. I need to support the city. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. And I appreciate that sentiment. That's the one I hope everybody embraces because we've got a lot of um, talent and passion that we're hearing from today. Um, so with uh, Mr. Johnson's remarks, that concludes the applicants for seat five. So I want to reiterate how grateful I am, and I know my colleagues are, to the people who applied for the seat for candidates with lived experience. Um, that's gonna be invaluable to this commission. We still have folks to hear from, but let's now move on to seat six. Um, just to remind everybody, this is the seat for uh, people with significant experience providing services to or engaging in advocacy on behalf of persons experiencing homelessness. And first up is uh, Andrea Salinas. Ms. Salinas, the floor is yours.
Thank you, um, Supervisor Safai, Chair Dorsey, and Supervisor Walton. Uh, my name is Andrea Salinas. I am seeking consideration for appointment to seat six as a direct service provider and resident of San Francisco for 27 years. I'm a clinical social work supervisor at Citywide Focus Case Management, a division of SFGH Psychiatry, and the first intensive case management clinic in San Francisco established in 1980. Across the several programs at Citywide, we serve nearly 2,000 individuals with severe mental illness, substance use disorder, and complex medical comorbidity, the majority of whom are either currently or formerly homeless. I have been providing direct services to marginally housed and homeless individuals for nearly 25 years including La Casa Las Madres, Clinic Esperanza HIV program at MNHC, Coalition on Homelessness, Felton Institute, and Citywide. Over the years, I have worked with individuals of every race, ethnicity, socioeconomic, gender, and sexual orientation. As a bilingual, bicultural clinician, I have worked heavily with the Latinx immigrant population. This experience also enabled me to effectively provide services to African and Asian immigrant clients. I have navigated every facet of the housing system to assist homeless clients to access shelters, NAV centers, transitional housing programs, and to obtain and maintain housing within the permanent supportive housing system and interface with all the various CBO housing providers. I hold historical memory of what has worked in the past. I know firsthand what currently needs to be improved and have insights for solutions and innovations to meet the diverse needs of folks living with mental illness and other health needs. This perspective makes me uniquely qualified for the commission. I will approach my role from a public health perspective. I understand how critical housing is for individuals to be able to effectively engage in mental health and medical care and absolutely necessary for sustaining their progress in wellness and recovery. I currently serve on the Mental Health SF Implementation Working Group and previously served on the work group to envision the jail replacement project. In these appointments, I have a proven record of working effectively with a diverse group of stakeholders. I hope that my long history of working with homelessness and disenfranchised populations in San Francisco demonstrates my qualifications as well as my commitment to the hard work required of the commissioners. Thank you for your consideration. Great. Thank you, Ms. Salinas. And colleagues, any questions? Go ahead. Thank uh, you Vice so Chair much. Walton. Just, uh, thank you, Chair Dorsey. Just the same question, how would you be able to hold the department accountable to addressing the disparities and disproportionalities that exist in the system and, of course, in certain regions across the city? So um, I think that I appreciate data collection. I think that we need to start collecting data of whom is coming into coordinated entry and who is getting prioritized. As you know, once the coordinated entry system started, the only folks that get housing are those who have been prioritized. Um, before, for about two years before, after, for, for the first two years of the coordinated entry system, the PSH housing pool was not within that coordinated entry pool. So we always, as clinicians, as the mental health providers, we refer directly to PSH housing. And we could easily see coming down the pike that our clients were not going to be prioritized. So um, HSH did create a workaround for us where we have to take our clients to coordinate entry, they don't get prioritized, and then we send in the same 11-page referral that we always sent in before, and then they'd get prioritized. 
And it really makes me wonder, you know, if you're not working with an intensive case management program and you're going solo to coordinated entry, there's a lot of folks that aren't getting prioritized. We're not collecting data on who those folks are. Um, we're also not collecting data, you know, the, the housing pool is also not equal. So who ends up getting placed where, I think, is, is also something that we need to look at. And also evictions, who's getting evicted. I also, I also, I think something of huge consideration is, you know, at Citywide, we work with hundreds of forensics-involved clients. And as we know, incarceration disproportionately affects African-American uh, individuals in San Francisco. You know, when we look at our stats, I mean, adults can only be about 3% of the population, yet they're routinely at 52%, 56% of folks in the jail. Lots of folks are also coming home from long stays in state prison and federal prison. And I'd long been hearing from folks because I have a criminal justice, uh, I do criminal justice uh, activism, and I'd been hearing from my colleagues that they were, you know, understanding that folks that they knew that were coming home from prison that had been homeless and are now homeless were not getting prioritized. And it led me to think that probably incarceration is not being considered um, as homelessness. Um, and then I witnessed this firsthand. I had a client um, who had literally been homeless in San Francisco for 13 years. I mean, not for 13 years, since he was 13. Since he was 13 years old, and at the time I took him to coordinated entry nearly two years ago, he was 46. He had been cycling in and out from the street to prison since he was 13. And he wasn't prioritized, and he had literally been homeless in San Francisco for decades. So it's clear that incarceration, I don't know if this has been fixed. I had complained about it to Hillary Ronan, and I know she was going to bring it up, but I don't know if that's been fixed. So if you're looking at the disproportionality of incarceration among African-American um, residents of San Francisco and their history of incarceration isn't being included as time that they've been homeless, then you know, you're coming home and you can't get housed. And if you can't get housed, you're more likely to be incarcerated. And it exacerbates homelessness, of course, and, and criminalization. So I think looking at those sort of things, like looking at how are you counting incarceration and how you're also creating pathways to housing for folks that are coming home out of, jail, out of state prison, federal prison, or coming out of our jails. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much. Yes, Supervisor you, you addressed my questions as well with regard to data. I really appreciated the conversation that we had. So thank you for putting your name forward and also bringing the lens of mental health and how it impacts the overall conversation. Thank you. Uh, Thanks so you much. Any... I, I, just, no, I just wanted to express my appreciation for the conversation we had. And um, I appreciate your uh, institutional memory on this, which was helpful to me uh, on this. So thank you so much for your willingness to serve. Okay, Thank you. thanks so much. And uh, next up, uh, Kristen Evans. Ms. Evans, the floor is yours. Uh, Supervisors Dorsey, Safai, and Walton, I'm Kristen Evans. I'm a resident and a small business owner in San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury neighborhood, and I'm an applicant for seats six and seven. Um, in 2018, I served as a proponent for the Our City, Our Home ballot measure, a gross receipts tax which has raised over a billion dollars for homeless solutions in our city. 
That money has been deployed to purchase permanent supportive housing, add shelter and drug treatment beds, and has also helped keep San Franciscans in their homes through eviction defense. But it was actually more than a decade ago that I became interested in homelessness issues and the city's response. Um, in 2008, the booksmith, independent bookstore, owner, the bookstore that I own and manage, held the first of many community forums with authors, service providers, and policy experts. We sought to educate ourselves and others in our community to sort through the complexities of addressing homelessness in our community. Um, over the years, as a volunteer, I've directly assisted numerous people experiencing homelessness, helping them to connect to shelter and services. In particular, I've worked directly with a significant number of transitional age youth, or TAY, sleeping on our city streets, in, our, in vehicles, and in our parks. As a volunteer with the Coalition on Homelessness, I've uh, been a direct observer in over 100 encampment resolutions and sweeps. Um, I've learned how difficult it can be to access safe and appropriate shelter, whether that be a bed in a congregate shelter, a safe sleep site, or a hotel room. I've assisted young people trying to access inpatient drug treatment programs and outpatient services. I've accompanied families and seniors to coordinated entry appointments to be assessed for housing and have waited with them for months and years before they've received an offer for a place to call home. Many are still waiting. If given the opportunity to serve on the Homeless Oversight Commission, I would bring the organizational analytical skills I've acquired through decades of experience sorting through complex data sets. I'll seek to shine light on systemic challenges and scrutinize department practices and policies which have significant opportunity for improvement. And all of this for the ultimate goal to focus our attention on measuring our progress to achieve real solutions. Because ultimately we are a rich city in a rich state, in a rich country, and all San Franciscans deserve a safe place to rest their head and, ultima and ultimately a place to call home. Uh, thank you very much for your consideration. And Great. I can jump into the two questions <laughs> if, if you'd like me Great. to. Great. Thanks so much. <clears throat> so specifically, I would agree with many of the other previous applicants about the ways that we can ensure that the department is accountable to uh, equity goals um, and, and ensuring that we're providing resources and services to people of color and specifically African Americans who are significantly uh, disproportionately overrepresented in the homeless population. Um, I agree with applying an equity lens and using data, but that alone can't um, ensure that we hold the department accountable. Um, we, we have to make sure that, for example, we know why people are, when, when people are getting those offers for shelter and when they're accepting and when they're not and why they're not, right? We have to um, lift up the voices of people that are experiencing homelessness. I think that this is gonna be a really great and powerful commission to bring people with, people experiencing homelessness to public attention to give them a platform to really tell their story and why they're struggling to achieve um, the outcome that they want, which is to ultimately um, get off the street. Um, in terms of the data question, um, so <laughs> uh, I mentioned in my conversation with you, Supervisor Safai, that the department collects a lot of data today. Um, so I, I'm a regular attendee of, to the LHCB presentations. The director gives like a nine-page report, 
And in that data, we, we, we learn information like how many water bottles were distributed, how many hygiene kits were distributed. These are really interesting things, but it's a lot of data that doesn't really cut to the chase of the focus of what we need to accomplish. How do we get more shelter beds open, get more people accepting those beds? How do we ensure that people are moving from shelter into permanent supportive housing and, and, and um, not taking up an expensive shelter bed? These are the types of things that I would really focus on are identifying those key metrics that we really uh, get us to the real solutions of accomplishing what we want to see, which is fewer people uh, living without a home. Thank you so much, Ms. Evans. This is super, uh, are the questions? Good job of anticipating the questions. <laughs> thank, you. Um, thank you so much. And next up is uh, Gay Crosthwaite. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Grunfeld. Uh, Gay, yes. Thank up. you so Gay. much, and thank you. Can Can you hear me? Yes. The floor is yours. Yes. Thank you very much for allowing me to appear remotely. I'm Gay Grunfeld, and I am here in uh, San Diego on a court ordered inspection of the San Diego jail. Um, I, I'll briefly discuss my qualifications. I'm a lawyer who represents people with disabilities leaving California prisons and jails, and many of them face homelessness, as has been alluded to today. I also monitor the $15 billion government agency called CDCR for compliance with remedial plans and laws. This professional experience is directly relevant to the commission and the city's quest to use its funds wisely to end this tragic and intractable problem. As the owner of a small business in San Francisco that employs 40 people or so, I see the impact of homelessness daily on our desolate financial district. And as a homeowner in the Richmond district, I weep to see the homeless gleaning from my trash and sleeping on our sidewalks. If chosen to serve, I would, uh, make several things my priorities. First, an audit. We need an outside audit um, to understand better, or a city audit, use our own city audit to understand better how we are uh, spending our funds. And to your question, uh, Mr. Walton, um, are we using those funds fairly and equitably? We need an audit. We need outside voices, uh, new you know, experts who can give us a second opinion. I read the place for all report, and I guess I still don't understand why we need $1.4 billion and how it would be spent and how the numbers in that report would address our problem. And I also note that the report does not address equity or inclusion, at least my read of it. I'd like to see a database. Um, it's not okay that you have to call 311 and be told there's five addresses with shelters and go stand in the line. This is San Francisco in the 21st century. We can do a database of what's available so people can know what to do at night. I'd like to see more tiny homes. Um, I'd like to understand why our estimate of tiny homes is 10 times Oakland's. I'd like to see more services, MAT, drug and alcohol counseling, sober living. And finally, we need to shore up and support the hardworking HSH employees who are facing secondary trauma through the work they do it with this very difficult job. If chosen, I will work hard to effectuate the goals of this commission. Thank you so much for listening to me and I apologize for the background noise. Great. Thank you, Ms. Grunfeld for joining us from sunny San Diego and uh, colleagues, are there any questions for Ms. Grunfeld? 
No, she addressed my questions as well. Thank you again okay. for putting your name forward. Thank you so much, um, Gay. Next up is Jason Albertson uh, speaks. Or J I'm sorry, Jason Michael Albertson. Yep. Okay. Thank you for the middle name. <laughs> the supervisors, thank you for welcoming here today. Um, members of the board, Assembled members of the community, fellow candidates, before I start, I have to note I'm an employee of the Department of Public Health, and in no way do I represent the department in this appearance. Required notice. I've worked in the communities of poverty, substance abuse, mental illness, homelessness, and HIV since 1990, starting at the next door shelter, then called MSC North. I followed my clients into housing, and I was a family support liaison with Community Housing Partnership now known as Homerise. I helped open the Senator and helped open the Iroquois, two buildings in the early days of supportive permanent housing. I helped build a community process to shape the civil rights section of the first federally required continuum of care plan. Went out and got a social work degree and a license in 99. Worked in a city mental health clinic at South of Market Mental Health for eight years. In the first new program in the state, to support people with homelessness and mental illness, the first new program in 30 years. After that, I decided that working on homeless outreach team would be a refreshing break and manage the outreach component of the, of the team for another eight years until I went to work for the psychiatric emergency response team in San Mateo. And, you know, I found out to my surprise there was a homeless and mental illness challenge in San Mateo as well. But I came back to San Francisco as the first employee of the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing as the lead for the encampment resolution team. Worked on that with some success in the first iteration and moved from there into HIV. Spent two and a half years in streets and camps with the COVID response. More recently, I provide services in permanent supportive housing to an aging, sometimes physically and mentally deteriorating population in a situation where we don't really have strong outcome metrics and with a perception that evictions, oh well, they're gonna happen. Including one I worked recently, planned for an elderly woman who although remaining a hermit, has not otherwise violated her lease. I bring to the task of membership on the Oversight Commission a perspective that is not easily won except through time. By seeing what has worked and what has not, through seeing the repetitive cycles of public distress intervention, evaluation, dare I say sometimes punishment of homeless people, and attempts to manage the problem of homelessness. I bring my memberships in each of the departments tasked with managing this challenge in our community here in San Francisco. I bring this in-depth and personal knowledge of homeless people, homeless community, its cultures, its ways of beings. I bring my understanding of how homelessness affects, dismays, frustrates, and angers our house residents. I've been working on these streets since 1990, 34 years, excited to bring myself as the tool of work to the task of support of creating the change in individual lives, systems, and communities that I hope to see. I've attended every year since it began the annual Homeless Deaths Memorial, hoping that I won't come the following year. I've stood by sometimes and cried when people died too early and celebrated when people got into housing and thrived as the result of their and others' hard, hard, hard work. And now in our drug crisis, I find I'm operating in a kill zone where less is being thought of how to support people to live than needs to be. 
Our system needs to comprise three things to succeed. It's my hope to forward these three matters as a member of the DHSH Oversight Commission to use the gift of witness I have been given and the knowledge I have achieved. The first is a rational system, one that evaluates itself without fear of punishment, of exposure, without regret to fate the truth. And this is indeed a difficult thing in this political entity we face. Hey, Mr. Alverson. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt I'll you. Stop. I already, we're trying to keep it to a couple of minutes. Very good. Um, if it's okay, I can ask my colleagues if they have any, any questions. questions. Thank, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you, Chair Dorsey. Uh, just the same question. How would you hold the department accountable to addressing the disproportionality of black people who are homeless here in the city and also the regions where we see increased homelessness? I think we recognize that we are looking at the extenuation of institutional racism. And it is delimited by zip codes. In that, circum in that circumstance, I think there is room to manage housing preferences in an affirmative way, to remedy past discrimination. This is not something that's been talked about very much. It's something I think the commission can support the department to really look at. It's something that was a present held idea under the previous director, Jeff Kaczynski. And I think it lets you get around the Fair Housing Act. But I think also some of our folks in the city's attorney's office are gonna be thinking about this. But I think we can set housing for various categories that have experienced historic discrimination. I'd push for it. Great. Thanks, Mr. Uh, Supervisor Safai. Thank you. We had a good conversation. He addressed my questions in his presentation today. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Mr. Albertson. And next up, uh, Neil Sims. Mr. Sims, the floor is yours. I believe uh, Neil is joining us remotely. Good morning. Trust you can hear me okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Chairman Dorsey, Vice Chairman Walton, and Supervisor Safiad for uh, considering me today. Um, I first should probably apologize for my limited availability to meet with uh, uh, you folks prior to today. Uh, this re review of candidates happened uh, to overlay uh, a vacation that was planned. I'm speaking to you today from the jungles of Cambodia. Um, so I hope my uh, willingness to be available at 2.30 uh, in the morning, my time is an indication of my commitment to uh, the challenges that we face as a community. Um, I, am, I would like to also say that I am, like you, impressed by uh, both the credentials and the number of folks from San Francisco who have uh, presented themselves. I'm encouraged by that, uh, whether or not I'm selected. Um, I am a 30-plus year resident of San Francisco. I've spent many, many years on civil rights issues, social justice issues, and maybe more specifically, affordable housing um, challenges. Um, I spent more than 10 years on the board of directors, served as chairman of the board of an organization called Open House. We built ultimately 117 units of low-income housing for LGBTQ seniors in San Francisco and a senior services center that provides uh, ongoing services on a, on a uh, um, remote basis to several thousand other seniors living, um, aging in place in San Francisco. Um, 
in parallel to my board tenure with Open House, I also served as a mayoral appointee to what was then uh, the Department of Aging and Adult Services Commission. It's uh, it's since been renamed, I think, um, uh, I don't remember exact titles, but it's uh, now DAS, not DAAS. Uh, but during that tenure, I had the privilege of working directly with Executive Director Shereen McSpadden. Um, she ran that department during a portion of the time that I served on that commission. Um, and so she and I have sort of paralleled each other in her move uh, to the Department of uh, Homelessness uh, because I today serve as a member of the Board of Directors of HomeRise. Um, it is formerly the um, Community Housing Partnership. Today we house more than 2,300 formerly homeless people in 18 buildings across the city of San Francisco and provide uh, permanent supportive housing and all the wraparound services that go with the, the housing itself. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that, that's sort of, um, I think, a summary of, of my qualifications. I, I would address the, the two questions that uh, supervisors raised in accountability and visibility around um, uh, racial disparities. And my response is out of an experience from uh, the DOS Commission, and that is that a great deal of the impact of um, a city department like this is uh, distributed through third parties, through NGOs. And the accountability and visibility created in those contracts is a place uh, of leverage where um, the right questions can be asked by uh, a commissioner uh, to make sure that the, uh, the priority issues are addressed. So I would recommend that uh, both from a standpoint of um, um, the uh, racial access question as well as accountability and performance um, be at least in part addressed through the way commissioners are um, probing uh, both the, um, uh, the population of agencies that are funded through the city, as well as accountability for performance uh, against the deliverables defined in their contracts. Great. Thank you so much, colleagues. Is um, there any questions unanswered? I think, Mr. Sims, I think you did also did a good job of anticipating the questions that were going to be asked and answering them. Thank you so much for joining us from Cambodia in the wee hours of the morning, and um, I appreciate your uh, willingness to serve. And the final applicant is um, a former member of this body and a current director of the BART board, uh, Mr. Bevan Dufty. The floor is yours. Thank you. <coughs> thank you, supervisors, and thank everyone who is here. I would uh, say give us that a moment. We're going to mute the other line. Thanks. Okay, uh, you can begin. I'm good, Victor? Yes, you are. Thank you, sir. Uh, I just want to say that um, being here for the past couple of hours has been very inspiring, uh, gives me a sense of hope and a sense of how important this commission is for the city to do a better job. The reality is that people that live or work in San Francisco, what they see generally is what's not working. Seeing somebody on the street, seeing somebody using on the street, um, folks in cars, clearly, 
all of those things. And I think that this commission has the opportunity to really educate the public. Uh, it's important that it's being televised. I've participated with the local homeless coordinating board, and those meetings are very important. But I think that bringing this lens onto what the city is doing and looking at some of the best practices that other cities and jurisdictions are doing is a really important thing. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that I started the first navigation center. And in that, there are a couple of lessons. One is to create low barriers, not to bring failure onto people that have generally had so much failure already in their lives. They've had failure at home and school and community and complex systems that seek to, to, to have folks run into the wall. It's just not good. Uh, and, and I think that that is something that we have to look at over and over again. Um, I was pretty happy to hear Jordan Davis testify today. And it made me excited because this commission is going to be able to take folks that are angry and give them an opportunity to have a voice. And not that Jordan wouldn't throw an elbow in my direction and say, ah, you know, I'm not, I'm not pandering in this one, but I'm just saying that that has not existed. And that clients, I've been told by department heads, they're too busy to meet with someone. These, this is back in my days, so this is five years ago. Um, I've gone through signing up GA for, many people know Hillary Smith in this room, and uh, I, I've gone through a, a lot of hands-on experiences to see what's not working. I will just briefly say that I started the Castro Young Adult Homeless Program with Larkin Street. LGBTQ Connect was done at the LGBT Center focusing on young people, and we're going to see so many more young people here in San Francisco. When Jazzy's Place renovation had stopped, when there was a $400,000 shortfall, I worked with David Campos. When Fifth and Harrison was being proposed for something other than youth housing, I fought to make that happen. And I believe that I have credibility with the advocates in this room. I support the Coalition on Homelessness, and I think that they tell the truth about what's not working. And there are many other leaders uh, sitting in these benches right now that I look forward to working with to make this commission a success. I apologize for running over. Oh. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Dufty. And I will just start by saying, you know, I remember back when you're, you know, you had, you were overseeing homelessness with the office down in the basement. And when I was in the city attorney's office, once in a while we'd have an interaction. And I always appreciated um, that you bring an institutional memory, a knowledge of the city government and its bureaucracy, but you also have the heart for the individual who's there. Thank um, you. And that is something that uh, I, admire and uh, will do my best to emulate it during my time here. I think you're doing um, good on I'm that. going to thank hand you. off now to uh, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you, Chair Dorsey, and thank you, Director Dufty, for being willing to serve. Obviously, uh, you have been committed to improving San Francisco for, for years and just appreciate you wanting to step up in this role. Uh, same question, just in terms of addressing the disproportionalities that exist in terms of the black population experience in homelessness in San Francisco, the fact that the Southeast sector um, experiences homelessness different and folks feel neglected by the department at times, how would you hold the department accountable for addressing these concerns? Absolutely. I, obviously, structural and systemic racism is at the core of what has happened to the black community in San Francisco. This was a city that was known for the vibrancy of this community in different parts of town. And 
Uh, I'll give an example. When I worked on veterans homelessness for Mayor Lee, um, we had a, consultants from HUD and the VA come to meet with us with the Public Housing Authority and my office, and we were focusing in on the fact that one out of every five black veterans in this country is homeless. Uh, and, and the Obama administration changed that using basically Section 8s. But we came to this strategy meeting how to kick things off, and there were seven consultants that were in that room hired by HUD and the VA, and they were all white. And I think that one of the things that's important is that you don't have to be black to call out the racism that we experience in the homeless service system. How few of the organizations that seek to serve this community have black leadership within those organizations. I was proud of the fact when I had four people in the basement of City Hall that our staff was 50% African American. Myself, Amanda Freed, Dee Shexnader, and Christine Keener. Um, so I think you can count on me being a, a dog with a bone, like everything we do needs to be focused on it. And we have to recognize the Latino population has doubled in terms of homelessness. Uh, the LGBTQ population, you know, I've, I've worked on in, in many neighborhoods in this city, and I really look forward to doing things that fundamentally change what's happening in, in D10 particularly. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Supervisor Safai. Yes, just to, just to build on that point, um, Director Dufty, um, I think just to drill in a little bit on your experience with the broad range of communities, but specifically the youth. I think that we've talked about uh, discrimination in housing, we've talked about incarceration, we've talked about so many of the indicators that end up leading to this disproportionate number of African Americans being um, homeless in our city. Uh, but what we haven't spent a lot of time talking about today is how it begins at a really young age. And the seat that you're going to occupy is that seat, the seat for families, see for working with youth. Um, talk a little bit about that and how it plays into this and leading into the indicators for those that end up becoming homeless. Because I think if we look at that, some of those issues begin at a very young age. So just anyway, not trying to lead you, but just no, know absolutely. we've had some of these conversations. Just want to allow you the opportunity to speak on that a little so bit. So I think foremost, and, and others have spoken about this, is just <clears throat> to stop the evictions. We've got to just stop that because that really goes into snowballing into family homelessness and the impact on young people, young people at, who are transitional age youth and young people who are kids. Um, so I think that that is an important area. And then I think we have to also just look into the organizations and what's being done with kids in the foster care system and to make sure that we're doing um, everything possible. What this question really begs is, the reason I want to be on this commission is because I've been in city government for 20 years. And you know what makes a department head a great department head? Is if they don't ask for more money. And this is a ridiculous thing that goes on as it relates to homelessness. You look at some of the shelters that have been under-resourced, understaffed, and obviously then have community problems, and then people in neighborhoods don't want services because they associate them with problems coming to their neighborhood. And I think that we really have to create more of a merit-based system in terms of how our department heads are viewed to appreciate when people tell us honestly that they need resources to be successful. 
And some people have really hung in here, around here. And I, I think it's fine to get a gold star, but I really think that it has corroded the homeless response system because at a certain level, people are not being honest about what they're able to do. And there is no reason we set a policy around SROs that we, we want to preserve them, but we're not putting the services and support in them to make them healthy buildings. That is just, that is totally on the city, that we could do a better job. And the health department is going to have to be part of the work that we do, and the human service agency is going to have to be part of the work that we can do. And I'm, I'm straight up excited. And I really am looking forward to working with many of the advocates that have, that have you know, stayed in this room to, to, make, to change things, to change the paradigm of how things get done around here. Thank you. I think that's a good point to end on, the, the knowledge of understanding the interrelationships between the different departments, the need for HSH to work collaborative, collaboratively with DPH, with HSA, with others, and then holding them accountable in terms of the work that's provided. But appreciate you highlighting that point. I appreciate all three of you smiling when I said it. <laughs> I Thank you. I don't have it. any further questions. Thank, Thank, Thank you. you so much, Director Dufty, and uh, for your remarks and for your willingness to serve. And uh, thanks to everyone um, for uh, remarks and um, the opportunity to just learn a lot um, about this. Uh, Mr. Clerk, um, let's open these item, this item, number six, to public comment. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001 Enter the meeting ID of 2489-884-3434, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin your comment. Can we have our first in-person caller? I mean, in-person speaker. My apologies. Yeah, good afternoon, uh, board. Uh, thank you again for giving me the opportunity to speak again. Uh, I know most of the nominees here this morning, but I just want to call out a few of them. First would be Tracy Mixon. She, as she said in her presentation, she's out on the streets every day. I'm, I'm in the Tenderloin. I see her out on the streets every day. We work together on so many clients, I can't even tell you how many. Jason Alberson, who has really been on the streets for 20 or 30 years. Jason is very unique. Jason is the person that gave me my first door key when I was laying out in the tents 20 years ago. So I've kind of, the reason why I got into the advocacy seat, sit, situation I'm in right now is probably because of that man. He knows that A to Z. He and I served on the first ASOC task force in the mayor's office years ago, so he's really been into it. Uh, Christy, she and I have worked together on the Co Coalition of Homelessness. Uh, a lot. She, she and I first met at a Campman Resolution on Division Street years ago, and she is she has the passion for this uh, position. Bevan Duffy, that's Mr. Homelessness. I can't say enough about him. He was down here. They put him down. Homelessness was such a non-issue. They put him in the basement of City Hall, and he he overtook that and became. I mean, a, a, a one. he's never refused to take my call when I had a client in trouble. 
Ennis Johnson, who has really got a lot of passion for this job, I really, I really appreciate him, him applying. I appreciate everyone that came today. And my only regret is I wish Brian Edwards was still alive to apply for this seat. He should be sitting right here because he is, we all love him. I still love him every day. I, I can't even believe he's not here anymore. So thanks for the opportunity. Good afternoon, supervisors. Good to see you all. Um, thanks for having us here today. My name is Stephanie Ashley. I'm the chair of the board of the Transgender, Gender Variant, and Intersex Justice Project. Um, I want to start off just by thanking all of the applicants today. Um, so many phenomenal people um, who do this work every single day. Um, I'm not here to advocate for any one candidate, but I do just want to say, you know, my deepest gratitude to Tracy, who's just like, just a phenomenal organizer, just a stalwart in the community. Um, Ennis and I have had the good fortune of working together. Former Supervisor Dufty, we've fought some good fights together. Um, and, you know, Kristen, I remember Kristen coming and, and picking up a elder who we, was after hours, we didn't have anywhere for her to go, and Kristen came and picked her up and got her a hotel room. So just everyone, especially everyone who put their names forward for seat five, I just have the deepest respect and gratitude because it is hard to fight against this bureaucracy every day. Um, it's really critical. I was um, sad for our city when I found out that Janetta Johnson was um, withdrawing her application, but I understand that she has a national fight to fight. Um, as Joaquin shared, there is a real um, war being waged against trans people in this country today. And um, we did, we have a building, an SRO with 21 black trans women that we've housed in that building and that building was set fire to over the weekend. So I just wanna ask everyone to really hold the urgency that San Francisco has to um, create a safe um, place of refuge for trans folks who are experiencing homelessness in particular. Thank you. Hello, my name is Susie Melconian and I am a housing counselor for a nonprofit in the Tenderloin. And I'm here to speak on behalf of Gregory Johnson. And I'd like to say that Gregory is, um, I've worked with him on a couple of groups and um, he's really passionate with the things, with the projects that he works on. He's very determined to see projects through. I think that he would be a great asset to this group, to this committee. And um, that's it. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Kathy Vaughn, and I'm a resident of the Tenderloin. And I'm here to speak about Gregory Johnson. I've worked with Gregory for about a year on the Central City Collaborative Safety Committee. And I have found working with him is a wonderful experience. Gregory has shown exemplary skills in tracking areas and that, that need improvement, as well as showing us crime statistics in, in our area. He has well thought out ideas and very compassionate when expressing those ideas. He is a person of integrity and honesty. He loves talking with people and is very outgoing. Bringing him on this committee would be a huge asset to both the community as well as this committee. Thank you.
Well, good afternoon, um, members of the Rules Committee. My name is Clifford Gilmore. Um, I work in the organizing department of Tidalong Housing Clinic, so I run the leadership program there where we have about 35 residential leaders. And uh, in that program, uh, Gregory Johnson accepted the role of the resident leader at the Vincent Hotel on High Street. And you all know that people who are formerly homeless have come different paths to supportive housing. And so it's difficult to organize people to sort of have a, a bond and a vision. Gregory was able to do that at the Vincent Hotel, uh, which is unique in and of itself, is challenging. Uh, as well as that, uh, he, he's actually out there in the community every day talking to people. And someone like Gregory, who has lived the experience of homelessness, is uniquely qualified to work with people on that issue. Plus, he's the consensus person. He's a team player. That matters when you're doing group dynamics. And then I would say he's dedicated, he's committed, he does a lot of research. And above all, you know, if you're going to do this work, if it's not in your heart, you're not going to be able to sec for do it. And his heart is there and he's committed. So we are recommending that Gregory be appointed to this commission. Hello, I'd like to say hello to all three of you. Shimon, thank you for all you do. My name is Cheryl Shanks. I'm a community organizer, activist in the Tenderloin, and co-founder of Soul Food Co-op Hub that will be opening up this summer. <laughs> um, I'm here on behalf of Tracy Mixon. Tracy Mixon is a dedicated person to the community. She has live experience. We need live experience on this street. She works with the Homeless Coalition, so she has great, great opportunities to develop even further in her in her work in the community. She's out in the community. She needs she knows she knows what people sorry, that's my puppy. <laughs> she knows what people need. Um, she will prioritize people on the streets. I you know, I hear a lot of people speaking but uh on housing, but I haven't heard anybody speak on on behalf of 5% of black people being left in San Francisco and prioritizing them in housing. There are a high majority of the black people that are here are homeless and, and, and being pushed out. So that really needs to be looked at by, by um, HSH and it's not. When I speak to people now who are on the committee and I ask them about vouchers, they don't even know. They don't have numbers. They don't know who's getting in these places. They don't know even how to get a voucher. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. Tracy does her research. She does research. Has she has numbers and she has live experience. So, But anyway, I'm going, I can go on and on. Please consider Tracy Mixon. Thank you. Good, I guess, afternoon now. My name is Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. 
Once again, I oppose Safai's bullshit-ass commission, but given that past, I gotta support my dear friend Tracy Mixon. She has a powerful life story of lived experience, advocacy, and works harder than I ever will. Plus, we need strong, progressive, community-based black woman leadership on this commission, and Tracy is someone who doesn't give a fuck about what you want to hear. Rather, she wants you to hear what you need to hear. I also think that Joaquin Guerrero should be appointed as well. We need some fucking trans representation up here, especially community-based trans representation, especially with all the bullshit going on in other states and what I just heard about that SRO catching fire. That just pisses me the fuck off. I don't want to give a third endorsement because there are too many people I don't want to piss off, but I will piss people off by bringing up a concern that anybody who has ties to the Central City SRO Collaborative, which is basically the city giving lucrative big dollar contracts to Tenderloin Housing Clinic, one of the providers who is heavily scrutinized in the Chronicle investigation, being on a commission that will provide much need oversight over THC. I am a tenant in THC building, and I have to deal with so much bullshit due to conflicts of interest, including opposition to things that would make tenants better, including getting rents down to 30% for all PSH tenants, which has led even to Supervisor Ronan bringing up the issue in budget last year. I have seen Tenderline Housing Clinic, Central City SRO Collaboratives, obstructionism firsthand up front on an advisory commission I served on, and with all due respect, I cannot trust anyone from that organization to bring the accountability and oversight that is so no sorely needed for people like my landlord and HSH as a whole. And as I said before, I am a permanently disabled tenant who has no aspirations and nothing to lose. No matter what happens, I will be at these meetings giving public comment on HSH operations with fuck shits, pits, assholes, and other foul language, and you will have to listen to it. Expect me. I yield my time. Fuck you. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Sarah Short with HomeRise. Um, and first, I just want to say this is really exciting that we're seating this commission, and you know, props to Supervisor Safai uh, for making this happen. Um, and then, before I tell you about some of the folks that I've worked with um, and that I support, I want to just say that I think it's super important to consider the equity. Uh, and, and diversity uh, and inclusion issues around the composition of this body as well. And so, you know, making sure we have representation of, of the key communities that are really highly impacted by homelessness, the, the black and brown communities, LGBT communities, disabled folks, et cetera, uh, is also really important. Um, the, the people that I've had a lot of uh, experience working with around homelessness um, are Kristen Evans, she just blew my mind when I worked with her on uh, the SIP hotel issues. She is not a housing, you know, in the field, so to speak, but she grasped the complex uh, policy issues very easily and, and just pushes things forward. And then on top of it, spends her time just helping individual cases. Um, Jason Albertson, you've heard about his experience. It's kind of incredible, the wealth of knowledge and the historical uh, perspective he has. He's in this for the long haul, it's very obvious. Um, Tracy Mixon, um, she's a strong advocate for those on the streets and also lives in, in uh, PSH now, I believe, super connected to the community, uh, and she'll bring that important voice into the mix. Um, Bevan Dufty, I probably don't have to say much about him, um, but his leadership skills uh, that we know he has combined with his knowledge of homelessness um, would be a real asset. And then finally, I've worked with Andrea Salinas on the uh, Mental Health SF uh, working 
group. And uh, speaking of leadership, she's provided so much of it. Speaker time has elapsed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Supervisors. My name is Ian James. I'm the Organizing Director at the Coalition on Homelessness. I think there's some really great candidates for this board here today. I would like to speak in favor specifically my coworker, Tracy Mixon. I think that this commission has a lot of work that it needs to do in order to provide accountability to the city's homeless response system. And we really need commission members who have really deep experience of the issues and know firsthand how the system works and how the system doesn't work. So Tracy has experienced firsthand in sleeping on mats in the first friendship family shelter. She has so much experience helping adults and families and youth navigate coordinated entry and actually make it to the services that are available. And I think the other thing that makes Tracy really stand out as a candidate um, is her ability to use her lived experience and the experience she's seen on outreach to actually create solutions that improve the system for everybody. So her role in opening the Oasis and making sure families did not end up on the street during the pandemic comes directly from her own experience. That's a power that I don't think a lot of other appointees to this commission necessarily have. Um, so absolutely supporting Tracy. And then the other person who I've worked with a lot is Kristen Evans, another person who has seen firsthand exactly what things are going wrong on the street level and, and has a lot of ideas on how to improve them. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Rosa Alvarado. I'm a resident of Tenderloin for more than 30 years. And I'm a leader of La Voz Latina. And I had seen Gregory Johnson uh, with his plan for the <clears throat> to try to end up homeless, homelessness and drug addiction and stuff. We talk about it. I, um, I was quite interested in his plan, and especially because uh, he went through homelessness in the past, and I had seen very active trying to figure it out, ideas, and uh, try to do some sort of a plan. I, told, I spoke to him and I told him that might not be easy, but things can be possible. I wish uh, you consider him for this position. Thank you very much. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give a recommendation. If I am, I would like to make a rec recommendation for Tracy Mixon. Thank you. Uh, there being no further in-person public comment, we can move on to our remote public comment. Uh, we have uh, five listeners with two people in line. So supervisors, uh, I've seen two supervisors ask more or less the same question. One on data and the other what can the department do? This is the lowest type of behavior that can come from a representative. Data, have you heard of gar uh, garbage in, garbage out? And the other guy, have you heard of him not being responsible in his own district? 
There are people like Pierre 94 who are living in trailers where all sorts of nefarious activities are going on, including prostitution. And how can a person ask a candidate how is he going to fix a department when the departments are corrupt? We need an outside audit. And we want to know why the supervisors give Urban Alchemy large sums of money. And even as I'm talking, the supervisors are talking, one to the city administrator and the other the supervisors among themselves. You don't want to listen to the community. And that's going to be the downfall of San Francisco. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hello, my name is Chelsea Kaplan and I work as a service provider in the homeless prevention field in San Francisco. And I'm calling to endorse Joaquin Barrero and Tracy Nixon for the Homeless Oversight Committee. I believe that we need trans and black representation in city oversight and that their expertise and experience would be very valuable for this commission. Their compassion and love for people is evident in the work that they have done and the work that they continue to do every day. And I hope that both Joaquin and Tracy are appointed to this commission. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Uh, just double checking to see if there's any callers. Yes, there is. Can we have our next caller? Hello, my name is Charmi Basu. I uh, am on the development team at St. James Infirmary. I really want to encourage you to consider both Joaquin and Tracy Nixon um, for this seat. Uh, as everyone is well aware, we are in a national federal crisis that is demonizing and harming specifically trans people and trans people of color. This is like a white supremacist offense on um, trans people throughout the country, and I think San Francisco has always been um, such a strong advocate and can continue to do that by prioritizing trans representation and black and people of color representation um, in uh, advocating against homelessness. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just checking, uh, that was our last caller. Thank you, Mr. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public, com oh, public comment on this item is now closed. Supervisor Safai. Thank you. Oh, maybe I'll let Supervisor Walton go first. Go ahead, Supervisor Walton. Super uh, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you, Supervisor Safai, and thank you, Chair Dorsey. Uh, first, I just want to thank uh, all of the applicants for coming in and showing up today and putting your name forward. This is a commission that I 100% feel was necessary to be in place. Uh, it is very important, the work of the commission. And so I just want to say thank you all for coming out. This is obviously going to be a very hard and difficult decision for us as a committee to actually pick the right three people because we do have so many qualified candidates. And to your points, we have to take, take so many different things into consideration. But I do want to say to any candidate that is not selected to go forward, 
please continue the work. Please stay prepared. A lot of things happen over the course of years with commissions, et cetera, and we can't pick everyone, but most certainly we have a lot of qualified candidates here today. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows uh, how excited we are that you chose to want to serve in this capacity. And remember, the work continues, uh, even if for some reason maybe you don't get selected the first time. And I just say I lost a couple of elections in my life and stayed doing the work and was fortunate enough to be able to serve. So please don't get discouraged if for some reason you're not chosen today because we have some hard decisions and hard choices to make. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Walton and uh, Supervisor Safai. Thank you. Did you want to make any comments first, Chair? And then I can I can wrap it up. Sure. So I am uh, I am informed by our Deputy City Attorney that a motion to uh, expand this commission by several seats would be uh, not not something that was doable. So uh, as much as um, you know, you wish you wish one could. Um, seeing all the the heart and the um, expertise um, that is here, I will say uh, just adding to what people have said about. Um, Please don't give up. Um, I, I can say I will be reaching out to some people, and I've had conversations among the people I've met with that um, I will be turning to folks as my brain trust just because of how impressed I was with so, so many of the, the meetings that I had. Um, and in particular, I, I don't want to say any one, but I know that um, Andrea was, Salinas was very um, informative to me, and I appreciate when we met. I think I, that, that went over um, 30 minutes or, or longer than the meeting was actually scheduled. Um, all of that being said, I do think, I mean, I will tell you where I'm grappling with this, and I had mentioned this earlier, that one of the things that is a, hard to do with in this policymaking role is to stand back and take a look at what we're, you know, the, the, uh, the, the makeup of um, the commission. And my feeling is, you know, I am, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community myself, um, aware that the National LGBTQ plus task force in 2021 um, did a study and found that 41% of uh, transgender people of color um, experience homelessness in their lifetime. And that, um, Transgender community members face uh, five times the rate of homelessness um, than, general, than the general population. One of the things that I have seen throughout my career, but especially in, the, in a couple of years um, when I served in a, as in a civilian capacity in a law enforcement agency is that um, the kind of violence that disproportionately targets uh, members of the transgender community, in particular transgender um, community of color, um, I think in light of San Francisco's ambitious plan to end transgender homelessness for these reasons, um, it's going to be really important as we get this um, commission underway. I want to make sure that we have um, a perspective and a voice from that community, and um, that's why I'm very impressed. Actually, I mean, I will, I will say I'm also impressed with Janetta, but, I, but uh, you know, Janetta decided that there were other um, fights to fight, and, and I, I want Janetta there too, but I'm also very impressed with Joaquin with Guerrero, and I intend to um, support um, Wit. Um, Tracy Mixon is somebody who is also somebody that I who I would intend to 
um, support and I will say to either of you, actually I'll say this, I'm gonna add also Bevan Dufty is somebody who um, I, I don't know how we not say no to somebody with that kind of institutional um, <coughs> expertise and that kind of heart that I've just really always admired about um, his leadership. And I will say to all of them that uh, they will be getting phone calls from me with questions for all the time that I'm here. Um, so thanks so much for, um, for serving. This is going to be a tough one, but I think that those are the three individuals that um, I'm inclined to support. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, just want to thank everyone that came out today. Really, really appreciate putting their names forward and spending the time with our office and uh, my colleagues. I will say that just to give a little bit of perspective, when, when we started this campaign, when we started this campaign uh, conversation here at the board, um, I have to tell you, I was very heartened by how much people wanted to continue to engage on this issue. This is the issue that San Franciscans care about the most. And as much as we might think that there would be fatigue in this area, there's not. People really, really want to serve. They want to come forward with good solutions and they want to be part of the way in which we can transform this issue. One of the people said they've made it their mission in life to end homelessness and they want to be part of that. And I know that so many people have so we did, a, we did a full fledged campaign. We did not need to do that once it was put on the ballot, but we did. And I have to tell you that I was very, very heartened to feel the response, the engagement, and, and the overall excitement of wanting to try to do something positive with this issue for San Francisco. So on the mayor's side, speaking to the uh, director of the department, she told me that over 80 people expressed interest to be appointed by the mayor. Over 80 people. Uh, having been the former chair of the Rules Committee, I can tell you that's extraordinary. And then the number of people that we received on the board side was also large. And people really, really are engaged. So we have some <clears throat> not easy uh, decisions ahead of us today. But I think that just so people understand we have to take a broad perspective in when we're deciding how to seat a commission like this. Um, I think that maybe other than the police department or the planning department, this is probably going to be one of the most high profile commissions in the entire city because of the importance of this issue, because of the way in which we need to address this. And I know I've said this a million times, but a department that started out about 100 million has grown to almost 700 million dollars. People want to see that money spent effectively. They want it to remain a people-driven, a community-driven, a solution department, but they want to see better results. They want to see better results out on the street. Uh, so I, I really appreciate uh, the people that have come forward here today. And we do have difficult decisions. Um, it's not something that uh, I think we could go one way or the other. And I think w we have so many talented people that have come forward today. I think in the end, um, as Supervisor Walton and, and Chair Dorsey have said, um, sometimes people move on to other commissions or they move on to other opportunities. So if you're not chosen today, please remain engaged. I will say that I think that 
looking for a broad range of, of experiences, whether it was in the private sector, whether it was business, or whether it was with nonprofit, or whether it was directly with the community, whether it was providing, or whether it was lived experience. And I think a lot of people that have come forward today have had lived experience. Understanding how the departments work, understanding how all of the pieces uh, come together. Um, and to highlight something that the chair said, um, along with uh, what uh, Supervisor Walton said, there are communities that are disproportionately impacted by homelessness. And one of those communities is, is the trans community. One of those communities uh, is the LGBT community at large. And so having chosen today and recommended today earlier and, and, and African American. And so appreciate uh, uh, the perspective that uh, Dr. Butler has brought. And I think we've made the right appointment there children and family uh, with uh, Ms. Albright, and then also someone um, that's bringing the perspective from the business community and also uh, their own experience, Sharky Laguna. So that's the balance that is on the mayor's side. There's still one seat that will be proposed, and we will hear that seat soon um, when the mayor forwards that name. But on the board side, um, I think and, I, and I, Ms. Chair, I, I will make, take a stab at, at making uh, my, my recommendations, but I think uh, uh, Whit Guerrero, Joaquin Guerrero for seat five, um, Kristen Evans uh, for seat six, and Bevan Dufty for seat seven um, would be the right mix uh, for the board's recommendations here today. And again, that doesn't mean that for the people that, that I'm not recommending or, or putting forward that there wouldn't be other opportunities for them. Uh, but I think that given all of the things that we're trying to balance out, I think that's the right um, move today um, in, in terms of what this board can do. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. Uh, Mr. Clerk, a uh, roll call on that motion? Uh, or do you, any further? I don't have complete recommendations on each seat, or, or was that a motion? My, my motion then is would amend the motion to place Joaquin Witt Guerrero in seat five, place Kristen Evans in seat six, and Bevan Dufty in seat seven, and I would move that to the full board with positive recommendation. Yes, on that motion, give me one moment. On, a, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Walton, I. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. I mean, yes, Chair Dorsey. Dorsey, no. The motion passes with uh, Chair Dorsey dissenting in committee. Thank you, Mr. Young. On a uh, two to one vote then, um, that item goes to the full board with the recommendation. And may we now go back to item number five. Yes, item number five is a motion approving and directing the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Victorum Ayer to the Homelessness Oversight Commission, term ending May 1st, 2025. Mr. Ayer has withdrawn his nomination. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. I think um, the appropriate motion is to table, is it to table this? Yes. Item, um, so I'd like to move to table item number five. Yes. Oh, yeah, you... let's open this to public comment. Yes, on that uh, motion, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. 
Enter the meeting ID of 2489-884-3434, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system has indicated you have been unmuted and that will be your cue to begin. Can we have our first in-person speaker? Yeah, I'm sorry to be speaking so much this morning, but you know, this is kind of, I feel like it's my duty. It's been a very busy day to me, but I took today to be here all day if I have to be. Um, I'm just concerned about what's going on with that seat and that nominee. Um, I kind of feel like he's, that person was, has been judged in the media and offline and not judged in this room for his ability and qualifications to serve. I don't feel that's being democratic, being, being a democratic process that every nominee who's been here today and other days should have the right to be judged and not commented on by this board or by this committee previous to him or her appearing before this board. And hopefully, I, I believe that nominee is, has made other options, but if that's not a concrete option, I would sure like you all to consider that nomination again. Because if I said before here, he's been um, publicly noted that he's done some indiscretions in his past, but so have a lot of us on this, not us on this board, so have a lot of board members. And we have completely forgiven uh, these members of this board for the transgressions and the things they've done in the past. We put our arms around them because this is the city of St. Francis. It's a forgiving city. We don't hold people for things that were done two years ago, five years ago, because if we did, there would be fewer members on this board. So I just wanted to consider your fairness and your equitable uh, uh, selection process that is very admired. I don't want to be tainted by this one instance. So I would really like you to continue to consider this nomination for this seat. Thank you very much for listening to me this morning. Thank you. This afternoon. Thank you. Uh, there being no other in-person speakers, we have no callers on the line for this matter. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on this item is now closed. And I would just, um, just picking up on one of the comments that um, Mr. Seymour made, I would, I will uh, say to that, uh, you know, I, I will say that I admired that Mr. Ayer, um, knowing that he was going to be, um, you know, facing uh, scrutiny in the press for some of his past conduct still nonetheless sort of bravely sought uh, out a public service role. Um, and with that, uh, Mr. Clerk, a roll call on the motion to table. Yes, on that motion. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Young. And on a unanimous vote then, item number five is tabled. Mr. Clerk, any further business before the... That completes the agenda items for today. Thank you so much. We are adjourned.